Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello, buttheads. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to come after the word hello. <laughs> you never know what's going to come up after the word butt. Yeah. <laughs> it was heads this time. I could have said butt lovers. Yeah. She has before and she will again. Hello, sure. butt lovers. Hello, butt lover. I answered a butt lover. I'm an ass man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm open about it. I'll tell you that. No worries. Well, you got the number plate. You're ready to go. <laughs> ass man. <laughs> i got to say this. Start a block. I how good is it to be alive? Yeah. It feels great. Yeah. For once, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> for once. Personally, if I can just be vulnerable for a second, um, I wish I was never born. Okay. <laughs> Even during block. Especially during block. October. Welcome, everyone. Christmas, take a hike. Mm. Yeah. Fuck off. Easter, no thank you. Yuck. Other holidays and celebrations. Halloween, piss off. Piss off. Fourth of July. Yeah. No Ooh. thanks. Ew. Mm-hmm. In comparison, they're all great. great. Valentine's Day? No, you can stay. That's yeah. a beautiful day. <laughs> exactly. That's for us. I love love. Yeah. <laughs> and but- Matt loves ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and That's also- my Valentine's Day. Any day. Any day I see an ass. <laughs> what do you secretly think to yourself? Happy Valentine's, Matt. <laughs> I guess so. But it's not Valentine's Day. It's not Valentine's ass day. No. It's Block Buster Tober, the most special time of the year mm-hmm. in the Dugo One calendar. Matt, for people who have no idea what we're talking about, what is Block Buster Tober in essence? Well, it's basically 
Uh, well, it was a month. Now it's two months because we've annexed November, now Blowvember. <laughs> Blowbustervember. And uh, it's the two months where we do the reports that are the most requested and then most voted for. These are the big topics, the blockbusters, the mm. ones everyone wants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, n- none of that crud we've been talking about for the other 45 <laughs> weeks of the year. This has all opened up to a public vote. I think there were there are- was it a hundred or maybe multiple hundred topics that were up for the vote, and we had thousands of voters? I thought it was millions. Well, millions is also a kind of thousands, Dave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Forgot. So you were the maths go. Well. And anyway, <laughs> the public has voted, and now we're going to count down the nine most voted for blockbusterist and blockbusterific topics, mm-hmm. <laughs> starting with number nine. Oh, Jess, yes. how do you feel about that? It was Ten, don't worry about it. We've got a top nine. I'm upset. I'm very upset about it. Um, Sometimes it's eight, depending on how many weeks we've got. Eight's great. Okay. Nine hurts. It's fine. Nine is fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's go with that. Nine's fine. Whatever. I'm cool and chill now. You know, I don't care about numbers and- Yeah, you just wish you were never born. I just wish I was never born. That's just a general vibe I have at all times. You like three, right? There's three of us. Yep. Three threes is nine. It's a beautiful number. Wow. Three each. Great. Okay. I like that. Mm. We might be stuffing that up with a guest next week, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. But before we get to that guest, let's do this week's episode. Basically, what we do here is we take it in turns to report on a topic, often suggested by one of the listeners. We go away, do a bit of research, and bring it back to the group, and that is what I've done this week. It's a bit different with Block because we all see the top nine sort of get divvied up a bit. Can I be honest with you, Dave? I can't remember what it is. You've got no idea what I'm going to talk about. I I knew that would be the case. Yep. Yes, it is like written down in a spreadsheet somewhere. <laughs> doesn't matter. Doesn't yep. matter. I've got no idea. I, I, could, I could give you a multiple choice, and you still wouldn't get it. I reckon you'll ask a question, which should you know trigger something in my brain. Still won't know. Okay. Still won't know. I still have a semi-related question. The question to get us onto topic this week I is: I have a semi from us talk before. <laughs> <laughs> Burp. All right. Question is: What was the name of the paperclip that used to offer advice in Microsoft Word? Oh, Clippy. Bing! Is it? That's correct. That's, that's inspired uh, that, stuff. That was the first draft yeah. for me, and also I'm guessing uh, whatever the Microsoft guy's His name, name is. His name was Clippy. Bill Banks. Bill Banks. Bill. Bri- Bill. Not Bill Bryson. Is it Bill? Do not bring Bill Bryson. Bill up. Jobs. Bill. Bill. Okay, I'm going um, through like a, a doorway Buffalo through a fence. Bill. Oh, Bill Gate. <laughs> Bill Gate. Bill Gate. That was a controversy involving um, counterfeit money. <laughs> Bill Gates. <laughs> Clippy is right. And- uh, Oh, now I vaguely remember what this is. It's, which is kind of related to the, the name of this episode. Yep. Before we get to that, let's talk a bit about Clippy. Okay. What if I told you that little guy whom Time Magazine named one of the 50 worst inventions ever? What? <laughs> it's funny to call him an invention. I guess he is. He was yeah. a little aggressive. But one of the 50 worst ever. Unbelievable. But he's not the most controversial paperclip. Not by a long shot. Although, actually, I would like to do a report on Clippy one day. I did a bit of a deep dive into Clippy and there's there's something there. But today we are talking about Operation Paperclip. Yes. Ooh. I mentioned this topic way back on episode seven, apparently, on the Apollo 11 moon landing. And apparently on that app, I said one day we should do this topic. Well, almost eight years later, here we are, and in eight more years, I will do Clippy. Okay. I'm committing now. 
Great. Well, somebody remind us um, because, yeah. yeah, this literally was written down in a spreadsheet I was looking at last night and I forgot. So um, Yeah, we need reminders. We won't remember in eight years. We might be dead. Hold Fuck, Dave I hope to so. it. Hmm? <laughs> now, this topic was suggested by a bunch of great people and anyone can suggest a topic at any time. There's a link in the description of this episode. And thank you to Sarah Groom from Worthing in West Sussex. Becca Mountain from Atlanta. Becca Mountain. Incredible. Jesus. Don't mind if I do. <laughs> Becca Mountain. I haven't even met the mountain. <laughs> there it is. Uh, no, it's- yeah, pick your favourite there. Uh, <laughs> Alexandra Rogers Brassington. Oh, my God. From Hull in the UK. Yes. Alton in Alabama. And Meredith Van B from Auckland, New Zealand. Incredible. Take Alton out. And all those names are fantastic. Now, <laughs> well, no, Alton's, Alton's also great. Alton's, Alton's a cool name. A beautiful start. But Exactly. But the, the mystery of really what holding comes back. next. What's the last name? Towers? Yeah. Alton Towers. Mm, ghostly. That, that English theme park. Yeah. Alton Ghostly. Yeah, I went for it. Dave was just making a bad joke about a theme park. I was having a real attempt at guessing his name. Ghostly. I think that's it. Yep. <laughs> Alton Ghostly from Alabama. I think it's Smith. Okay. Well, yeah, actually- you, would hold, you would hold that back because mystery is better than Smith. No offense to the Smiths. No offense. Alton Smith still is good. I think nearly any surname- With Alton. With Alton is, is going to work. Agreed. What about Alton Alton? Yeah. Ooh. Or if it's Alton John. What about Alton Appleby? Oh, what about alternating? <laughs> I don't think that would be good. That wouldn't be good. No. That's nating. the one that That's wouldn't be good. Everything yeah. else works. Nating. Mm. <laughs> Is there any name that works with nating? Um, Opinion. <laughs> beautiful name it. for a boy or girl. Absolutely beautiful. Hey, Dave, please do go on. Have you even begun? <laughs> no, but here I am. About to begin. <laughs> Let's give a bit of background here. World War Two. Ever heard of it? Uh, uh, vaguely, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I know a, of it. As a very brief recap, it all kicked off in 1939 and eventually was Germany, Italy and Japan against the Allies. The world. Yeah. <laughs> Can't ourselves that cool nickname. And The Guardian writes that two years into the war in September 1941, German arms seemed to be carrying all before them. Western Europe had been decisively conquered and there were few signs of any serious resistance to German rule. Looked like it was going their way. Then the Nazis went against political and economic pacts they had signed with the Soviet Union and invaded them in the brazen Operation Barbarossa. And they got pretty damn far with that as well. But again from The Guardian, quote, The fundamental problem facing Hitler was that Germany simply did not have the resources to fight on so many different fronts at the same time. Hmm. I mean, you take on the world. Mm. That's a big place. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of fronts. Exactly. Every direction. (laughs) So just make a big circle. Oh. Just stand in a really big circle, everybody facing out. And then just slowly- Then there's only one front. Yeah. Yeah, just have one circular front. Yeah. Gee, I'm starting to think Adolf Hitler was a bit of a bozo. (laughs) (laughs) War's actually really easy. Yeah. Yeah. Just circle it. Just make a big circle. Jeez. God, they're dumb. Well, from there, they didn't listen to you, Jess. The war really began to turn against the Nazis. The Guardian notes that- Ordinary Germans knew by the end of 1943 that the war was lost. Terror began to replace a commitment as a means of keeping people fighting on. By early 1943, the German government began recalling from combat a number of scientists, engineers and technicians to work in research and development to bolster German defence for a protracted war with the USSR. And the Germans began developing technology at a remarkable rate. 
The whole war has been referred to by some, probably nerds, as the first scientific war, with huge advancements in technology proving decisive to the result. We're talking radar, jet engines, and nuclear weapons were all created or greatly accelerated by the battles. Scientists and engineers played a huge role in the outcome of the war, and in many areas, Nazi Germany possessed technology that was superior to their enemies. The world. Okay. Wow. I mean, it almost feels like if they had a few tweaks, they would they could have been good for the world. You know, look at all these things they've done. The tweaks I'd make would be, you know, getting rid of the Nazi part. Oh, okay, right. And mm-hmm. just do the science. Keep the science. Keep the Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah. Yes. Keep Fanta. Keep the fashion. Get rid of the war and the killing of people. Yep. Interesting take. Okay. I yeah, personally I love it when he goes political. <laughs> when he says these controversial things and then he, he uh emails me at midnight saying, Please can you edit that, can out? You edit that out? I can't believe I said that. It makes people uncomfortable, but maybe people need to be made to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> Nazis are bad. Maybe only in that discomfort can we truly grow. Mm. Honestly, I think they did they I don't think they did much good. But it sounds like they made a radar. So well, Hitler even had his propaganda ministry come up with a term for revolutionary superweapons known as Wunderwaffe oh. or Wonder Weapon. Oh, that's so good. Wunderwaffe. 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 That sounds, that sounds I love that. pretty badass. Yeah. Wonder Weapon sounds so silly. <laughs> Most of these weapons- We've made some Wonder Weapons. <laughs> Check out my Wonder Weapons. <laughs> oh, no, I'm terrified. <laughs> terrified of your Wonder Weapons. <laughs> nah, they've um, they've uh, they've they've got the better language. I'm gonna say that. The yeah. wonderful. Fu- it's a it's a beautiful language. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Your your mother tongue, Dave. Mm. <laughs> What's your favourite phrase? Wunderwaffe. Wunderwaffe. Yep. It's up there. That'd be top five. Volkswagen. Yep. Yes. Yep. yep, yep, yep. Um, I love how they don't do W's. Werner Derner. Werner Derner. Mm-hmm. Angela Merkel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Werner Herzog. Oh my God, some of the best names ever. Mm-hmm. The list goes on, but we just don't have time don't to have list time our favourite word words. I Berliner. Yes, that's a great one. <laughs> that- Beautiful German phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Famous from a German. So they had the Wunderwaffe, but most of these weapons, however, remained prototypes which either never reached the combat theatre or if they did were too late in too sig- insignificant numbers to actually have a military effect. Little too little too late from Hitler, okay? But the ideas were there and the technology was still in development. And on the other side of the fence, the Allies also knew that the war was wrapping up and everyone began making plans for the future. Ah, oh, holidays. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice to have something to look forward to. What are you going to do after the war? Yeah. Should we take a trip? <laughs> Maybe hit the beach? Yeah. I'm thinking if we or we get a group together, we could hire out like a pretty sick villa in Bali. Oh, oh my man. gosh. You know, private pool, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, It'd be really yeah. nice wow. just to like relax a little bit. And maybe the group booking you get a free breakfast thrown in yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah, I think I, I saw this place where you can like get um like a chef that comes out and cooks for you oh for God. a day or something. That'd be really nice. So if we get the Anzacs together. Yeah. Maybe the Americans. Canadians. They're yeah. free. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. Invi- they're invited. We'll just, um, we need a pretty big villa, but. Yeah, we're gonna be nice. Bring out the Wunderchef. Yeah. Are we ready to forg- forgive the Winston Churchill and his lads for sending us into Gallipoli? We bring them along. Hmm. I mean, it's extended invite. Yeah. If they can't be they the come. bigger man. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> 
So as the Allies gained territory and marched across Germany, they attempted to plunder as much equipment and expertise as possible from the rubble for themselves while preventing others from doing the same. The Soviets, the United States, and to a lesser extent, the British and the French all seized intellectual reparations from Germany. Right. Sort of collecting stuff as they went along. Technically, the USA and Britain were on the same side as the Soviets here. But the truth is that even before the war ended, they were very wary of this new tech getting into Joseph Stalin's Soviet arsenal. Hmm. The USA wanted to keep the advantage to themselves in case they went to war with Stalin later on. The range of Germany's technical achievement astounded Allied scientific intelligence experts accompanying the invading forces in 1945. For one, the Allies had no idea that Hitler had created a whole arsenal of nerve agents. The New York Times writes that while searching the IG Farben laboratories in the German-Polish border, British soldiers uncovered 175 forested bunkers storing aerial bombs with a powerful organophosphorus nerve agent. They called in an American army chemist who tested the chemical and found that just a drop on the skin would kill a rabbit in one minute. Whoa. Whoa. And they had 175 bunkers full of the stuff. Fuck. Jeez. One drop. And they they eventually turned that into um, a L'Oreal testing facility (laughs) with similar results. Yeah. (laughs) Just one drop. But it made the rabbit really beautiful. Beautiful. One drop was (laughs) awesome. Look at this beautiful corpse. Oh, my God. What a beautiful dead rabbit. So glossy. What a beautiful beautiful look. Oh, a lovely coat. Mm. Maybe it's Maybelline. No, L'Oreal. L'Oreal. I said L'Oreal, but that was only the one that I could think of. Mm. I don't- I imagine they all kill rabbits. <laughs> do they all still kill rabbits? I don't know if they still do. But back then. But probably. Yeah, back then, definitely. Back then, they loved killing rabbits for beauty. Yeah. The Allies were surprised to find that the Germans had their fingers in many pies and were in the midst of developing, or had already developed, supersonic rockets, nerve gas, jet aircraft, guided missiles, stealth technology, chemical weapons, hardened armour, colour photography, and other groundbreaking technologies. Wow. I mean, colour photography really pales in comparison to a lot of those <laughs> other ones, but it's still impressive. <laughs> people, oh, I've made a nerve agent. Well, good for you. I've actually got a new f- film here that really shows red in a nice way. Okay. So. Okay. Which, one, which one do you think has been used more since then? Nerve agents. <laughs> <laughs> this photograph would kill two rabbits in under a minute. Whoa, if they look at it. <laughs> That's one of those cursed photos. <laughs> in May 1945... Stalin's legions secured the atomic research labs at the prestigious Kaiser Wilhelm Institute in the suburbs of Berlin, which the BBC writes would eventually develop and become the vast Soviet nuclear arsenal. So they're all coming along going, I'll have that, I'll have that, you're coming with me. And they're all trying to keep their allies, you know, the people that are mm. actually on the same side of from doing the same. That's for, mm. that's for me. That's for me. It's kind of like they've gone to like an outlet mall. <laughs> They're just shopping. Yeah. I'll have that. I'll have that. But it's one of those ones where people are lining up on Boxing Day morning, yeah. waiting for it. And as soon as the, the boom gates, if you will, lift, mm-hmm. people are killing each other to grab a discount. So very much Pillow. like Black Friday yeah. <laughs> sales. Yeah. Killing each other. The Americans formed the Joint Intelligence Objectives Agency, the JIOA, to gather and review dossiers on hundreds of Nazi scientists and engineers, then recruit the ones deemed useful, move them to the United States, and at least initially put them to work in the still ongoing war against Japan, and at the same time, make sure that the Soviets didn't get their hands on the technology. It really was a race. US forces removed V-2 missiles from the vast Nordhausen complex, 
built under the Harz Mountains in central Germany, just days before the Soviets took over the factory in what would become their area of occupation. So they're just shotgunning stuff left, right and centre. Following the soldiers claiming territory formerly occupied by the Nazis, groups such as the Combined Intelligence Objectives Subcommittee, the CIOS. There's many initialisms and acronyms I'm going to tell you here. And I'm going to retain all of them. But they're all the, they're all set up by Americans, the ones I'm talking about. And they began confiscating war-related documents and materials and interrogating scientists as German research facilities were seized by the Allied forces. And a prize discovery was the Ossenberg List. This was a catalogue of prominent scientists and engineers that had been moved from the war's front lines to de- begin developing new weapons for the German Reich. This list had been found by a lab technician at Bonn University in Germany and was a crumpled document floating in one of the school's toilets. Whoa. He's really checking everything, isn't he? (laughs) Very thorough. (laughs) What's this? I'll have a look. Brush off some of this. I'll just run this under a hand dryer for a bit. I want to try to destroy the list, but the the half flush just hadn't been quite enough. Mm. They should have gone. Always go full. Go full. full. I'm thinking about water conservation, though. Yeah. If you're Mm. destroying documents, you go full flush. Yeah. Australian invention, the half full flush. Is that true? (laughs) (laughs) Australian invention, the half full flush. Is that true? (laughs) All in one. Said it. You said it with some conviction and then immediately backtracked. Uh, Yeah. I believed it. As I said it, but not as I finished saying it. I believe it, but do you reckon if you're in this situation, you're marching across Germany collecting scientists and you're like, hey, what do you do? And someone says, I invented the half full flush. Are you getting a ticket to go to America to keep working? Yeah, I think you are. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah. We got the toilet expert. Thank you for your service. Yeah. In a half flush. We got Dr. Crapper on the line. (laughs) Bring him to the front. So they found this list. It was in a toilet and it was a list of all the scientists that Germany had had moved to develop these these weapons. So it basically gave the Allies a shopping list yeah. to keep these the shopping uh, allegory going. List of scientists to capture described in the in a top secret memo as, quote, chosen rare minds whose continuing intellectual productivity we wish to use. Mm. So they've got the list of the who's who. Is mm. Albert on there? Is, it, is this around that time? I believe Albert was already in America, so they already Whoa. got him. They already got him. They must have got him in a pre-sale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got him. They used the code Einstein one. Uh, the top name on the list was Werner von Braun. Wow. Werner. Werner. Werner's so good. Yeah. And I'll talk about him in detail in a minute. V V B. He's number one. V. V. W V B. Ah. Damn. <laughs> yeah, WVB sounds good too. But phonetically, VVB. 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 I think, do you think Werner for a dog, if you have another one? It's pretty good. Werner is pretty fun. Yeah. It's pretty good. Then I'd have Goose and Werner. Goose and Werner. That works. That's that very work. good. I need to bring your attention to the fact that I just met a dash hound this week whose name <gasps> was Keith. <laughs> Keith's a great name. I thought that was incredible. Yeah, been, that a, is so good. There's a town called Keith. Oh, I love it. I think near the border yeah. of Victoria and South Australia. One of my all-time favourite names. Keith I, I do great. love a I do love a dog with a human name. It's oh, very funny. So but also, I met a golden retriever recently whose name was Pudding. So, that's pretty good too. That works Another well. human name. Yeah. <laughs> human Pudding. food name. Yeah. Pud. Da- Dash Hound. And that's the one that looks like it's- Some people elsewhere call it like- that's something entirely different. Like a Dachshund. Dachshund. Oh. But they're, and they're sausage dogs. Yeah. Sausage dog, yeah. 
Or <laughs> as an, I know them, Keith. Keith. <laughs> Oh, you've got a Keith. I'm on first name basis. <laughs> Can I meet your Keith? <laughs> oh, Keith two, is an two abs- little Keiths over there. <laughs> Keith is an absolute beauty. Keith, that's so good. So let me give you another uh, initialism here. The Joint Intelligence Committee, or the JIC, in the USA was also set up with monitoring and calculating the emerging Soviet threat. Several reports were published in August 1945 detailing the current and future military capability of the USSR, and the report concluded... Stalin's USSR was a hostile entity that would continue to seek global domination. They even calculated that by 1952, the Soviets would have recovered from war losses and regained their true and formidable potential. The USA had a ticking clock to contend with, and they were prepared to do whatever it took to stay in front of their rivals. Wow. So, they're very much panicking that we've- All right, we've just wrapped up this world war. There could be another one coming, and we've got to stay in front. Oh, mm-hmm. man. What a stressful time. Yeah, what about just like everybody just chill out for what a bit. What happened to the holiday? Have a break. <gasps> yeah, no, come on. Are you kidding me? We've booked out this place. We've got a pool. This oh work-life balance is terrible. Gotta go oh, to- so- Sorry, this war-life balance. <laughs> you know what we didn't do? <laughs> we didn't war-life. invite the Soviets. Oh, that's and that's created tension. And they're yeah. going to be pissed. Oh god, can we get a can we get a message out? Oh, like and China. I don't think we messaged China. Oh, a late, oh. Are you talking about a late call up? Yeah, hey, we just had a cancellation. No, 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 no. Do you want to come? No, no. We've just be- organised this. Yeah, we're doing. It's a. Oh, we just had this thought. Let's all get away. Let's get yeah, away. we're meeting yeah. in Bali in two hours. I've mess. I'm just messaging everyone now. Sounds like Canada's in. What about you, China? Yeah, yeah. I think it's the only way. Well, unfortunately, it wasn't meant to be. <sighs> Instead, so they're very paranoid. They're freaking out. And when you're doing that, maybe you make some pretty rash decisions. Well, yeah. Also, you haven't bloody had a Mai Tai on the beach. Mm. Exactly. You need to chill the fuck out. Mm. Get on a banana. Do some meditation. Mm. Like, take, you know, your shoulders are up here. You're so stressed all the time. Of course, you're not going to be making good decisions. Yeah. Mm. Who oh. are we talking about here? America. Everyone. 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 Okay. You gotta swap that musket for a mascato. Yes. Yes. World War Two. They're big for muskets. Yeah. <laughs> we really did need those German scientists to bring technology forward. <laughs> That's right. How do they color get- photography? How do they get beaten? <laughs> Holy shit! China was on in the Allies, wasn't it? Uh yes, and they suffered badly at the hands of Japan. Yeah. Have we invited Japan? Well, no. I mean, I didn't. Are we? We, do you think we'll be cool to invite Japan? No, Germany, I think it's too soon. I think it's, it's too soon. Okay, all right. Indonesia, where we're visiting, where did they sit? Because mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, might, know. it know. might be a little uncouth to be celebrating the end of the war if we're celebrating it where, you know, against someone we defeated. All right, fine. We. <laughs> I think there's only I one. Think I, I think it's okay for me to claim that as well. <laughs> there's only one solution here, and that is a barge in international waters. Yes. Fantastic. No one can get offended. See you there. Really have a Meet you at the on barge. That, on that villa, but okay. <laughs> well, we'll have it. It'll be off the coast of the villa. Okay. I can see the villa. You can see it. <laughs> so they're doing all these, uh, they're writing up all these reports that they're evaluating secretly the USSR and how formidable they'll be as an opponent. They're also writing many reports on Germans, what, where they were at with the technology when they were sort of conquered. Major General Hugh Nur, deputy commander of the US Air Force in Europe, wrote, 
Occupation of German scientific and industrial establishments has revealed the fact that we have been alarmingly backward in many fields of research. If we do not take the opportunity to seize the apparatus and the brains that developed it and put the combination back to work promptly, we will remain several years behind while we attempt to cover a field already exploited. So he's like, we got to use these guys. The report also concluded that 8 out of 10 leading German rocket scientists, experts in the field of guided missiles, had gone missing and had probably been captured by the Soviets. And this, and the fact that two entire German physics institutes had been packed up, shipped to Russia and rebuilt, was worrying to the USA, because they're also grabbing... My first guess wouldn't have been the Russians. I would have assumed they just shot themselves into space. Yeah. They know how to do it. It's like, once again... Part of the reason I never want to excel at anything mm. is, you know, like these these guys are just like really, really good scientists. Yeah. And now- They're sticking their head up, tall poppy style. That's right. And they're getting lopped off. Not me. From each I'm and every direction. I'm sitting back here, average at a couple of things. You're just yelling, I don't know shit. I don't know anything. Couldn't no, tell you. Rockets? What, what is what it? What is that? What is it? <laughs> what is rockets? I'm the bad. lettuce? I can't do basic- <laughs> multiplication, let alone the very complex science you want. It does feel like you are protesting too much, though, and they're going, this is a genius, pretending that she doesn't know anything. (sighs) And that's true. Put her in the van. (laughs) Well, no, you've said too much. Is that not true? Yeah. Am I not a genius? You're a a genius of sorts. Yes. Yeah. And I I pretend to know nothing. Yeah. And that's part of my genius. But to be clear, are they looking for a genius of sorts? Yeah. Great. I think they are. Oh, great. Sorry, you're in. (laughs) Fantastic. A holiday planning genius. Oh, yeah, I am good at that. Mm. So, in response to these concerns, the JIOA, one of the great initialisms, or they might be GIOA, not sure, they put into action a rapidly expanding program to capture nasty, well, Nazi scientists. Some of them, as we'll discover, are nasty Nazi Nazi scientists. We'll discover that. What? Some of the Nazis were nasty? Nasty Nazi. 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 I reckon they didn't do it. They didn't do a focus group with people who speak English, did they, when they came up with the name Nazi? Mm. They didn't, if they'd found out that it sounded very much like the word nasty, you'd probably have a bit yeah. of a rebrand. Mm. Anyway. Maybe what would that's you choose? what they wanted to do. Like the nanas or something? The nanas. Can't hate a nana. Oh, I don't know. Some nanas are pretty nasty. <laughs> what about <laughs> Nazi nanas? <laughs> Nazi nanas. Yeah. Nasty Nazi nanas. Yeah. Shit. Nasty Nazi nana. Nasty Nazi nana. The nasty Nazi nana ate a nana. <laughs> <laughs> that's too far. <laughs> Hey, Dave, um, it looks like during the Second World War, uh, Indonesia Indonesia was then known as the Netherlands East Indies oh. and was occupied by Japanese forces. So, we're clear to go. Yeah. They're happy to party. Yeah, I think they're probably- I think Netherlands were defeated there. They were probably happy to be- I, I don't know. I don't want to put words in Indonesia's mouth. <laughs> But they might. They might I be. Do, ha- no. They might be happy to have some visitors. I yeah. Don't know. Now that they've gotten rid of the last ones, maybe they want <laughs> they, some more. They'd be stoked to see us. Visitors. Actually, yeah. yeah. Well, we're paying customers. Yes, that's the difference. And we, so we they got should respect. Be, so they should be grateful. Yes. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> they being they being us, our travelling party. That's yeah, right. I'm yeah. grateful mm-hmm. of their hospitality. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Very kind people. Thank you. So they're like, we got to capture these nasty Nazi scientists. The program was originally called Operation Overcast. Okay, oh, it's yeah. pretty badass. Well, were they having it in 
Melbourne. <laughs> like, we mate, have... mate, give it 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, Operation Slightly Sunny. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, For people who don't know, in Melbourne, you can get some different kinds of weather. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of our thing. It we can... have weather. Yeah. It can be pretty unpredictable. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's sunny. <laughs> Other times there's clouds. Yeah. Have you got a raincoat? You might need it. Yeah, uh, you got to bloody, uh, bloody, bloody check the bomb, check the bomb before you head out the door, mate. <laughs> Living in Melbourne's all about layers. <laughs> <laughs> layers and laneways. Layers, laneways, culture. Bring oh. an umbrella and coffee. And coffee. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess like, <laughs> I guess it's just such a normal part <laughs> of my everyday of my identity that I don't even think about Melbourne's rich history of coffee. Yeah. Hmm. Once you travel, you realise the coffee is pretty good. It's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it it actually is quite good. That's the thing, though. Like, we joke, but the coffee here is very good. I wasn't joking. (laughs) Point of the joke. Where is it? You can't. I can't. (laughs) So, Operation Overcast, its aim was simple. Quote, to exploit... German scientists for American research and to deny these intellectual resources to the Soviet Union. The operation was later renamed Operation Paperclip or Project Paperclip. Mm. Which, mm. Gee, I think Overcast was better. Yeah, it kind of was, wasn't it? Paperclip's a bit of fun, I guess. Yeah, I guess it's if you're trying to get people off the scent. Is that what Operation Names are meant to do? Because mm. it doesn't. There's nothing that draws a line between the. What it is and what it's named. Well, Britannica writes, Project Paperclip was so named for the paperclips that held together the many pages of information about the scientists possessing more problematic pasts during the Nazi era. That is so fucking boring. Yeah. that They've what, just looked around and gone, oh, there's a few paperclips here. Wouldn't that be true of anything? Any operation at the time would have had paperclips keeping paper together. Do they not have staples? Yeah. yeah. Operation Staples sounds pretty like. <laughs> What about Operation Keith? <laughs> <laughs> and the mascot's that little dog. Yeah. Now we're talking. All right. We're back on All right. Operation Let's let him know. Keith. Let's was, let him know we're making a late change. Was Keith a stranger or like a friend's dog? Like, will you see Keith again? It was just on the street. Yeah. Oh, man. What is that? How do you know its name? <laughs> do you introduce itself? Uh, you, you don't get it, Matt. Yeah, you don't when get it. When you have a dog, yeah. one of the first questions is, how old is it? Yes. Always age. What's their name? What's the name? Oh, or I- their harness or tag will say it, or the owner will say the dog's name, and then you'll go, oh, it's a great name. Do like, you- there's a corgi on my street called Bagel. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Bagel. And also, if you're not sure of the breed, what kind of, what, what, what kind is this? Mm-hmm. What, how old is it? Mm-hmm. What's the name? So, I know everything about Keith. I could steal Keith's identity if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. What's, What's Keith's, Keith's mate name? name? <laughs> 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 so, there must be times where you're like, I don't quite feel like going out with the dog today and your dog doesn't get a walk because you're like, I can't face other dog people. Does that happen? <laughs> <laughs> no. You suck it up for the dog. Oh, uh, yeah. You got to. It is quite nice. You put on a breath. Nice. Yeah. Well, it can be, Fantastic. but otherwise, like, you don't really, um, uh, like, stop and chat to people on a walk otherwise, which is probably a good thing. Um, but it is quite nice. That's quite, especially when you meet a dog called Keith. I mean, that's made my week. Yeah, that's yeah. good stuff. Oh, yeah. I forget you are those people. Yeah. <laughs> you're I've, you're I've, those people that I want to avoid. Anyway, I also ask the questions, you know, they say, and <laughs> yeah. I go, uh, uh, my dog's four. How old's yours? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. It's a beautiful community <laughs> yeah. to have here. Recently, I, I've been saying, oh, he's just turned three. <laughs> 
You know? You said nine months? I could just say three. I think I said just turn four about yeah. three as well. <laughs> uh, 78 months. <laughs> yes, he is big for his age, yes. <laughs> All right, the Soviets, they had their own version of Operation Paperclip, which was called Operation Osso Aviakim. That's pretty mm. badass sounding. Oh, I think Paperclip's better. I mean, I don't know the translation. It might mean Operation Badass. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it could be something very cool. Could mean Operation Found in the Toilet. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. We can't know. Operation Toilet Boys. <laughs> toilet Boys. Everyone on this list is a toilet boy and we want them. I see. I kind of like Operation Toilet Boys better <laughs> than Paperclip. Than paperclip. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> toilet Boys. <laughs> toilet Boys. Or Operation Ossenberg. Because that's the list was called that. That oh, sounds pretty cool. Yeah. Operation Ostenburg. Yeah. But they've gone paperclip and they've gone Osio Avakim. Their objective for the Soviets was to move Nazi scientists and engineers to the USSR along with their families, the laboratory equipment and other work materials, but, which is similar. But unlike with Operation Paperclip, the Nazi scientists captured by the Red Army were treated like criminals. They weren't given the option of staying in Germany, let alone employment contracts. Indeed, Moscow considered their work on behalf of the Soviet Union to be war reparations. Basically like, your country invaded us and this is how you will repay us. You'll make it up to us by working for us now. Sort of like when you can't pay a bill at a restaurant and make you wash the <laughs> dishes. You're scrubbing toilets going, how did I get here? What happened to me? I'm a scientist. What? Why was my credit card declined? You were a scientist. You're a toilet boy <laughs> You're now. You're a toilet boy. <laughs> See, it makes more sense. It makes more sense. We can't go into the office and work as a paperclip for a bit, can you? (laughs) (laughs) And they grabbed the Soviets heaps of Nazis and the experts in their fields of optics, aviation, chemical engineering and other technology sectors, moving up to 6,000 people in one day from Germany into the USSR. That heaps. US President Truman authorised Paperclip in August 1945. It allowed US military departments to sponsor immigration of chosen rare mines. I guess that's what it said on the visa. They're a chosen rare mine. Years later, in 1963, Truman recalled that he was not in the least reluctant to approve Paperclip, that because of relations with the Soviet Union, he said, quote, this had to be done and was done. Can I ask you a question, Dave? Would you refer to me as a rare mind? Have a moment to think if you need it. Matt, same question's coming I'd your way. I'd say yes, uh-huh. but would I choose you? Not so sure. For what? Chosen rare mind. Oh, I see. Okay. So, okay. So you're a rare mind, but I'm happy for but, you to but stay. But we there. haven't set, like, what it is you need from somebody. I'm still out. You're <laughs> still not choosing me. Okay. But I am a rare mind. You're a rare- I- I'll give you that. Matt, same question. Um, I'm going to say yes and yes. You Get- would choose me. Yeah. I'll take two if you got them. Well, if Matt wants you, then I want you. I I don't want the Soviets, a.k.a. Matt, getting you. No, but he chose me. Right. Well, I will treat you like a criminal. (laughs) You are under arrest. (laughs) Oh, God, the burden of being a rare mind. (laughs) Stuff. German and Austrian professionals facing the prospect of uncertain employment in their devastated post-war economies were also generally eager to accept such an offer from the U.S., Usually, the recruits and their families were taken to the safety of the United States, and they were then provided with labs and other facilities to continue their research. That's all those nerds need. (laughs) (laughs) They were given a dog and anything else they needed. You can have this. Test tubes. I'm not really a dog person. Well, you've got a dog. (laughs) You're a dog person. I'm sorry. I've ordered six. (laughs) (laughs) On the other end, in the United States, there were some moral questions about the program both within the government and in society, who quickly found out about the project. 
Let's first talk about the general public. Probably not surprisingly, not everyone was receptive to allowing Nazis being allowed to go completely unpunished and continue their work in the United States. Mm, but they're working for the United States. Yes. But it's like some people are like, well, months ago, we were at war with these people. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm just at Walmart with these people? Yeah. What's going on? The New York Times, Newsweek and other media outlets exposed paperclip as early as December 1946. Famous people, including Albert Einstein, don't forget the code, Einstein won, Rabbi Stephen Wise, and even First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt, whose husband Franklin Roosevelt had been president during the majority of World War II, they all publicly opposed the program. Mm. Privately, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. <laughs> Very into it. <laughs> and according to a poll, most Americans at the time considered it a, quote, bad idea. Hmm. People within the current government were also unsure. According to Britannica, the ethical and moral concerns of the project were immediately obvious to many within the US government. Some considered these experts to be a national security risk given their sudden change in loyalty. Like I said before, a few weeks ago, they're working for the opposition and now they're working for us. Can we trust them? Mm. Yeah, this is, uh, this is murky. I don't, know, I don't know what to do. You either, so if they don't take them, Get, offer them jobs. Yep. They think Russia will get them. Yes. Who they see now as a threat. Mm-hmm. But if they do get them, they're, they're paying Nazis. <laughs> yeah. to- Nazis are on the payroll now. Yeah. I don't think that's a, a good option here. I'm going to say I'm on holidays. Hopefully it's sorted out when I get back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just got an out-of-office reply from I'm going to be <laughs> on the barge if you need yeah, me. Yeah. Sorry, no reception. Yeah, on the barge if you need me, but don't need me. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's tricky. It's good to have boundaries, Matt. That's good. I really just think, why, why do we need war? If I'm going to be involved in this, I'm going to say it, no war mm-hmm. and just everyone get on. Yeah. If that's okay. Yeah. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh. It is Sorry. too much to ask. Damn. It's a lovely sentiment, though. Jeez, I always I always push it too far. Yeah. Yeah. We keep asking you to rein it in, but- That's right. Probably the phrase you say most to me is, knock it off. Yeah. But I just can't. I just won't do it. I keep saying, peace and love, man. Yeah. Piss and love. Oh. Is that what we're saying? Piss and love? No. Maybe you'll be more receptive. I'm saying peace and love. Piss and love. That, no, you're not quite getting it. You're saying piss. I'm yes. saying peace. Yeah, okay. Look, this is like Craig you're, and Craig. You're taking the peace right now. <laughs> <laughs> We're hearing the same word. Same thing. You're, you're saying, saying the same thing. You're saying the same word. Yeah, peace. Yeah, piss. Piss and love. Piss and love. Okay, I'm confused. Am I saying peace? Piss. Yes. And love. Yes. Great. Um, uh, can we cut for a second? I need to go have a piece. <laughs> <laughs> And we're back <laughs> after the piece. God, it was a long one. Nazi experts selected by the program, I've got to, got to say, had to be screened by the JIOA. And according to official policy, anyone who had been more than a nominal member of the Nazi party was supposed to be excluded. President Truman had expressly ordered that anyone found to, quote, have been a member of the Nazi party and more than a nominal participant in its activities or an active supporter of Nazism, militarism, would be excluded. Yeah. So they're like, let's. We're not. We're not. We don't want the Nazi Nazis. Yeah. Yes. Not the nasty Nazis. No. But just like the 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 complacent ones. Mm. Yes. The ones who are like, oh no, I'm not. I'm not really a Nazi, but you know. Yeah. I just happen to live in Germany at the yeah. time, 
Wrong place, wrong time. Wrong place, wrong time. I. <laughs> what was I meant to do? What was I meant to do? Not be a Nazi? Come on. It's tricky. Easy to say. Easy to say. Dave's family, obviously, they chose to be Nazis. That is incorrect. <laughs> that is absolutely incorrect. Is that incorrect? Yes. My family came out from Germany in 1890. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, nah, they, yeah, they got out here early. That was, That's right. They, were they on the boat with uh, Albert? Even earlier. You got pre-bought your family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a family I prepared earlier. The Vonnecke. Vonnecke it would have been as well. That's right. Oh, Werner Vonnecke. Werner Vonnecke. Yeah, no, your dog should I be Werner. I think my great-great-grandfather's yes. name was Herman. Herman Vonnecke. Herman Vonnecke. That's fantastic. That is so good. Who eventually started a grocery store in St Kilda. That's sick. I think the the, the story I've been told for, by my grandfather, either his gra- grandfather or his great-grandfather a long time ago, is that- he was a, a young teenager on the ship, came out, the boat stopped in Melbourne, was supposed to keep going. He jumped ship and never went back. Wow. Oh, where, where was it meant to keep going to? I'm not sure. Like, if it was like- If it's going to keep going, it would Tasmania or Antarctica? I'm not, maybe they were picking stuff up yeah, to take right. back. Oh, I see. I'm not sure if it was, it was supposed to be a return Whoa. trip, but he was like, I'm out. And a, a young and a teenager too, I believe. Wow. So- isn't it? It's wild. Those that maybe spur of the moment decision has yeah it like, means you that don't you exist. grew up here. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then now grocery stores are in my blood. Like when I'm at the self checkout, I'm flying through that thing. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I'm bipping. I'm bopping. I'm beeping. <laughs> I'm stacking the bag. Aldi, they, I, you know, another German. They think they can, you know, they're too fast. Some people say, but yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm pe- filling yeah, that bag. Yeah, it's fine for you. Whatever. They can sit down in that chair and scan all day. I'll be packing the bag until the cows Very come. Very comfortable. Home. Yeah. <laughs> So, that's my family. You are beautiful to watch at a supermarket, I will say. It's impressive. Yeah. I uh, get Dave to do my weekly shop. I, well, I worked as a as a checkout operator, checkout mm-hmm. chick for a while. And, uh, yeah, I can't get close to mm. Dave. No. Nah. It's, it's embarrassing when you try to steal my culture. <laughs> Isn't it crazy, too, that, like, you don't – like, Herman didn't think about that when he just jumped ship and stayed in Melbourne, that, like, this podcast wouldn't exist. Think about all the things. <laughs> yeah. Did he even consider that? I don't think he did. <laughs> or did someone go back in time and say, Melvin or Herman? Melvin. <laughs> 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 but he read Melvin. And then he think, Melbourne. Melbourne. Whoa. I'll go there. I'll go to Melbourne. <laughs> Melbourne, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> and it, they said, "If you go, Melbourne, he said, Melbourne? I said, yes, Melbourne. If you go to Melbourne now, a podcast will happen in 100 years. Yeah. 130 years. Yeah. And he said, wow. wow I must make I this must. happen. And then as he got off the boat and the man was sailing away, he turned and said, what's a podcast? <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. It's not for you. Amazing stuff. I and can't a beautiful detour it. we went on there. Beautiful detour. But what I was trying to say is that according to the official rules of Operation Paperclip, on paper, people who had supported Nazism or had committed war crimes or atrocities were not allowed to take part. That's a pretty isn't that a strong stance yeah. from them saying if you, oh, okay, if you've committed an atrocity, <laughs> then we're not interested. Mm. Not allowed. Geez, that's a, that that actually I thought they were being a bit soft, but I didn't realize I'd taken a hardline stance. <laughs> But did that happen in reality? Oh, well, no. Well, that's a complicated question. The answer is, in some cases, no. Ugh. I'm going to give you some examples of people who took part in Operation Paperclip, and then we can revisit that question of morality. Okay, great. <laughs> Number one, Adolf Hitler. 
He's uh, like, I know a lot of stuff. Yeah. I ordered all this stuff. I know heaps of stuff and I'm a great manager. Oh, I'm really on. good at yeah. delegating. He said, I'm really ins- inspirational. Mm. Good. I've got leadership skills. Coming out the wazoo. <laughs> of Hitler's resume. <laughs> leadership oh skills. Oh, my God. <laughs> People management. <laughs> Managing large teams. Well, the most famous scientist associated with Operation Paperclip was the man I said was on top of that Ossenberg list in that toilet mm-hmm. found in the dunny. <laughs> and he's the man I mentioned on the Apollo 11 episode all those years ago. VVB. VVB. Werner von Braun, full name, Werner Magnus Maximilian Frere von Braun. Oh, Magnus is great. VMMFVB. Yes. Or Werner for short. Yep, great. He was born on March 23, 1912, in the province of Posen, the Kingdom of Prussia, then the German Empire, and now Poland. The son of a Prussian baron, von Braun, was the second of three sons of an aristocratic family. After Werner's confirmation, his mother gave him a telescope and he developed a passion for astronomy. As a youth, he became enamoured with the possibilities of space exploration by reading the work of Hermann Oberth. No relation to Herman Wannke, <laughs> whose 1923 book, The Rocket into Interplanetary Space, prompted von Braun to master calculus and trigonometry so he could understand the physics of rocketry. Before this, apparently, he had struggled with the subjects and then literally later became the world's best rocket scientist. Wow, just need the motivation. Just need a motivation. I've never heard it called rocketry before. I love it. Mm. It's a great word, isn't it? Yeah. Rocketry. Rocketry. He was also inspired by the world's first large-scale experimental rocket program, the Opel RAK. This was a series of rocket vehicles produced by German automobile manufacturer Fritz von Opel of the Opel Car Company, which still exists. He was nicknamed Rocket Fritz. And the company conducted a series of public demonstrations that were essentially publicity stunts for the company, the great rocketry-based website, wikipedia.org has an anecdote that says- Wikipedia. Sorry, Vicky. Yes, of course. (laughs) Of course it is. It says, 16-year-old Werner was so enthusiastic about the the public Opal demonstrations that he constructed his own homemade rocket car, nearly killing himself in the process and causing a major disruption in a crowded street by detonating the toy wagon to which he had attached fireworks. He was taken into custody by the local police until his father came to get him. (laughs) Detonating his car. That's funny. <laughs> you didn't explain how he got the nickname Rocket. <laughs> Nominative determinism. It wasn't. Right. It wasn't a nickname. Wow. His first name. Rocket oh. Fritz. <laughs> was Rocket. <laughs> uh, Von Braun, after this, uh, this incident where he nearly killed himself and exploded the street, enrolled at the Berlin Institute of Technology, where he would go on to earn a bachelor's degree in aeronautical engineering. As a student, he joined the German Society for Space Travel and worked with Hermann Oberth, the author of the book that had inspired him. So, you know, they say never meet your heroes, but he worked with his. And they worked on liquid-fueled rocket tests. Von Braun continued to experiment with rockets in his spare time. So he's a rocket scientist by day and a rocket scientist by night. And at age 18, he and some friends would launch rockets from a municipal dump on the outskirts of Berlin. They called the area Rachtenflugplatz, or Rocket Flight Place, and they were mentored by Herman Oberth. That guy again. Hmm. The New York Times recalls in Von Braun's obituary, spoiler, the man born in 1912 is now dead. One day in 1932... 
This sounds like a scene out of a movie. A black sedan stopped by the dump and three German army men in Mufti, uh, military stuff, stepped out. The Versailles Treaty concluding World War One had said nothing about barring rockets to Germany. So they had to sign a thing saying, you know, we're not going to have a big military. We're not going to do this sort of stuff anymore. But it said nothing about rockets. To continue... When the three men climbed back into the sedan, they had Dr. Von Braun's joyful consent to carry on his experiments with the full sanction and financial support of the army. So one day, he's basically a kid out exploding rockets in a rubbish tip. Mm. And that night, a car pulls up and says, hey, do you want to get in and we'll pay you to do this? He's like, sweet. See you tomorrow. (laughs) So at the age of 20, he became German army's top civilian specialist in rocketry. What? At 20? At 20. What could I have been an expert in at 20? For me, it's diagnosis murder. Yeah. Okay. I'd seen every episode twice by that point. How many? <laughs> I don't want to know. Don't worry about it. Um, Nine seasons. Yeah, no. I was more wondering by now how many times you'd seen each episode, but I don't want to know the answer. Okay. Um, I think it'll be too sad. And for you, just a 20 expert? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Nothing. I was stupid. Still am. I'm not an expert on anything. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) What a way to find out. I'm having a crisis. Matt, if it was a black sedan pulling up when you were 20, what were they going to ask you to do? I don't think any black sedans were pulling up to get me Horse and cart, sorry. A horse and cart (laughs) pulling up. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't don't think any black horse and carts would have probably Hmm. come to get me. I don't think, unlike Dave, very confident in himself as a 20-year-old. Diagnosis murder. <laughs> I'm like, yes, very humble. Yeah, we're humble. Well, Dr. Von Braun said later that he had felt no moral scruples at the time about the possible abuse of his test rockets in war. He said he was interested solely in exploring space. Based on his army-funded research on liquid propellant rocketry, Von Braun received a doctorate in physics in July 1934 from the main university in Berlin. The New York Times writes... While a student in Berlin, he read an article about an imaginary trip to the moon that made a lasting impression, which he once recalled, it filled me with a romantic urge, interplanetary travel. That's how we got the nickname <laughs> Rocket. It was horny. Romantic urge. I wanted to fuck that crazy. I wanted so to hard. fuck that moon. <laughs> Come here. He's looking up at the sky for an hour like, oh, you fucking <laughs> I like a, a moon. He must be an ass man too. He's an ass man. <laughs> ass man. <laughs> full moon. He loves a full moon. <laughs> he said he was a task worth dedicating one's life to. Fucking the moon. Not <laughs> just stare through a telescope at the moon and the planets, but to soar through the heavens and actually explore the mysterious universe. I knew how Columbus had felt when he fucked the moon. (laughs) So the moon, getting there was his eventual goal. Mm -hmm. It was during this period in von Braun's life that the Nazis came to power in Germany, with Hitler becoming Chancellor in 1933. PBS writes, Von Braun was a right-wing nationalist by upbringing, but seems to have taken little interest in Nazi ideology or anti-Semitism. As money began flowing into rearmament and eventually into the rocket program, he became more enthusiastic about the regime. Because he's like, oh, they're paying for this stuff. Awesome. I get to do my little rocketry. But it's more about, like, whoever's got the cash to let him play with rockets and less about the ideology. Yes, he's, you know, overlooking a few things because they're bankrolling. Still ethically not great. No, no, I think as long as they're paying you, that's okay to overlook atrocities. (laughs) (laughs) If they're paying you quite well. If you're on the payroll. Yeah, Yeah, I think it's fine. fine. Yeah. 
Uh, I think he. I know. If he's, you're not doing the atrocities. Yeah. If you're just. Yeah. You can take money from the people that are. Yeah, I think that's fine. That's I think fine. you can profit from atrocities. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can work for them, just not. It's it's something different. Great. We're finding the line here. Mm. He. Um. I. I think he'd be rolling over in his grave. Uh, hearing you talk about him fucking the moon. I don't think that's what he- He would have said, making love to the moon. Yeah. Sorry, yes. It was more about an emotional connection. That was yeah. vulgar of us. Yes. Yeah. You, mostly. Yeah. I'd, I would never be so I, disrespectful. I withdraw my comments. Thank you. Thank he wanted you. to make love to the moon. That's yes. right. All night long. <laughs> <laughs> so, just talking about him and the Nazis. PBS continues, in 1937, now the technical director at age 25 of the new Army Rocket Centre- he received a letter asking him to join the Nazi party. Since it required little commitment and it might damage his career to say no, he went along. This is what PBS writes. He then became a junior SS officer in 1940. And through the early years of the war, von Braun worked on developing the V-2 rocket, the world's first long-range guided ballistic missile, described by Hitler as a vengeance weapon. This is one of Wunderwaffe. Wunderwaffer. <laughs> Wunderwaffe. The V-2 rocket also became the first artificial object to travel into space by crossing the Kármán line, which is, you know, the technical edge of space, with a vertical launch on the 20th of June 1944. The V-2 rocket has been called the rocket that launched the space age. Wow. He's in charge of it. He's 25. 25 years old. And he's like, the uh, yeah, okay. He's a Wunderwaffe. He's a Wunderkind. He's, yep. he's all the Wunders. Mm-hmm. He's Wunderwart, Fred. <laughs> Wunderweit. 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 <laughs> he met with Adolf Hitler on several occasions, being formally decorated by Hitler twice, including being awarded the Iron Cross. Hitler promoted Dr. von Braun to full professor, a rank of especially high respect in Germany, and ordered the mass production of the V-2 rockets. And V-2s were pretty impressive and terrifying, according to Space.com. Able to reach speeds of more than 3,500 miles or 5,500 kilometres per hour, the 46-foot or 27,000-pound or 12,250-kilo V-2 rocket could carry warheads 500 miles or 800 kilometres. The rockets travelled at supersonic speeds, impacted without audible warning, and proved unstoppable as no effective defence existed at the time. So they really were wonderful. Mm. First used in September 1944, more than 5,000 of them were aimed at Britain, of these, only 1,100 arrived on target, but they killed almost 3,000 people and injured thousands more. And I've also read numbers saying they killed up to 9,000 people in Britain, these rockets. Is he still saying that he's only really in it for space I'm exploration? in it for the space. Well, he's like, it did. it's the first thing that's ever gone to space. I did that bit. They also then came down and landed on people's houses. Mm. But I'm not in charge of the landing. I'm in charge of the takeoff. Mm. I imagine these are the kind of things he's telling himself. A man who would go on to be US president and at the time General Dwight Eisenhower said of the V-2 rockets, he said, It seemed likely that if the Germans had succeeded in perfecting and using these new weapons six months earlier than he did, our invasion of Europe would have proved exceedingly difficult, perhaps impossible. Wow. So, they were just a little bit too late to tip the war for Germany. Wow. But that's how powerful these rockets were. Shit. They're basically, once they're in the air, unstoppable. Mm. But it seems the rockets weren't developed in time, and by 1945, the war was lost for Germany, and everyone knew it. Von Braun came up with a contingency plan. He was worried that Hitler would destroy all of the V-2 rockets and their related scientific breakthroughs to prevent them from falling into enemy hands. So, Von Braun got one of his aides to take 14 tonnes of paper- moved by three trucks, and hid them in an abandoned iron mine. Just to 
Safe keep. Imagine That's how many paper- so much paper. Imagine how many paper clips that is. Ch- yeah. Like I reckon you could chuck that on a, a handful of USBs. Chuck it on a stick, mate. Floppy disk, if you've got it. <laughs> put it on a few thousand floppy disks. Few thousand floppy disks or one like hard drive. Will that kill you? And Th- then put them in the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Then flush them. Then, then half flush, flush them. Yeah. <laughs> At the iron mine for safekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I think Von Braun's lost it. <laughs> Just put it in the Google Drive. Chuck it in the Google Drive. And then, 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 the, then, then you put your laptop in the toilet. Like, then put your laptop and half flush it. <laughs> like, Is that right? <laughs> I need you to put these rockets in the cloud. <laughs> Fire the rockets into the clouds. No. No. Into the cloud. Fucking hell. Man. So I can access it from anywhere. This fucking idiot. Huh? I don't want to have to go to the iron mine to get my <laughs> rockets. I don't have to get my hands wet just to get the rockets. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's gross. It's really yuck. <laughs> Why is everything in a toilet? On May 2nd, 1945, von Braun and a group of German rocket scientists surrendered to the American forces. With Nazi Germany crumbling and on the verge of a full collapse, von Braun was confident that with his unmatched knowledge of rockets, he would not be harmed. He later told an American reporter, I did not expect to be kicked in the teeth. The V2 was something we had and you didn't have. Naturally, you wanted to know all about it. So he's really cocky. And apparently, I think that night they, they surrendered and they figured out who he was and they're like, please come right this way. Mm. Gave him a lovely, literally a cooked breakfast and really looked after him because they were like, this is a smart guy. Let's kiss his ass. Yeah. And he knew it. He's like, they're going to kiss my ass. Yeah, they're going to kiss me, which is great because I'm an ass man. <laughs> I'm an ass man. <laughs> I'm going to need a few seconds alone with the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Von Braun and an initial group of about 125 were sent to America, where they were installed at the beautifully named Fort Bliss in Texas. They then worked on rockets for the US Army and assisted in V-2 launches at the White Sands Proving Ground in New Mexico. So, they they brought the V-2s over to America and had a a go. Fort Bliss sounds like exactly what they needed. Mm. Bit of a pool, some sunshine. Couple of weeks at Fort Bliss. Couple of cocktails. Oh, my gosh. Some board games. Just some R&R. Wow. You know what I mean? All inclusive. Rockets and rockets. Yeah, that's (laughs) (laughs) that's right. I couldn't. I did think rockets, and I couldn't think of a second R word. But then you just said rockets and rockets, and I was like, "It was right there." That's why he's so good. That's why he's so good. <laughs> just doubled it up. Do you think the ass man was interested in anything the else? Ass man. Ass man. Ass man. Ass man. Oh my god! It's that's what it was. That's what he it was. He was an ass man. Ass man. <laughs> rockets and rockets. <laughs> We've been mis- misinterpreting this whole time. Oh, my God, that thinking is he was an ass man. But he's an ass man. man. <laughs> wow. I feel a fool. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. 
Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So he's moved to America. Von Braun became one of the most prominent advocates for space exploration in the United States during the 1950s. He became director of NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center and the chief architect of the Saturn V launch vehicle, the Super Booster, the big rocket that would propel Americans to the moon and would become an integral part of the Apollo missions of the 1960s. Hmm. And we know... Thankfully, to my report, people didn't know before that, that they made it to the, the moon in 1969 and Von Braun fulfilled his childhood dream. He, so, he was still alive at that point? Yes. Well, was it his childhood dream? Did he want to go to the moon? No, he, he wanted to send Americans to the moon. He wanted to send three As Americans little, to the moon. <laughs> little boy in Prussia. Yeah. He wanted to send Americans to the moon. Well, I'm happy for him. In many ways, the whole Apollo NASA mission to the moon was built off the back of Operation Paperclip, and the men involved were highly successful and highly rewarded. The NASA Distinguished Service Medal is the highest award which may be bestowed by the Space Administration. After more than two decades of service and leadership in NASA, four men from Operation Paperclip were awarded this medal, the NASA Distinguished Service Medal, all in 1969. But did these men qualify for Operation Paperclip under the guidelines initially laid out? Remember, President Truman had expressly ordered that anyone found to have been a member of the Nazi party and more than a nominal participant in its activities or an active supporter of Nazism, militarism, should be excluded. They couldn't have been like full on Nazi. Mm. That's and that, that's the they rule. could have been like I'm a Nazi only because I fear for my life if I don't play along. You could be that kind of Nazi. Yeah, but you can't be like yay kind of Nazi. Yay Nazis. You couldn't be yay Nazis. That was that was the thing. But I I'll think br- that's a good rule. I'll briefly go through these four men who were awarded this top NASA medal, this incredible prize. Kurt Debus, or Kurt Debus, I forgot to look it up, the first director of NASA's Launch Operations Center, later renamed as the Kennedy Space Center. Debus is described by the BBC as a rocket launch specialist who was also an SS officer. So they weren't really supposed to take officers like that. His report stated before he came over, he should be interned as a menace to the security of the Allied forces. Mm-hmm. They took him anyway. He's then- very good at, at rockets. Very yeah, good. Yeah, that's funny. It's the compromise. Wait, how good are you at rockets? Are you better at rockets than you were an awful person? That's right. There's a scale here. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, your rockets really cancel out your Nazism. Hmm. There's a there's a quite a complicated mathematical equation which the Nazi scientists provided. Yeah. <laughs> and I said if if we pass this, then it's okay. Well, you're you're very smart. There's no conflict of interest that I can see here. Wow. Okay. No, it looks and like it, you, you it's passed. proven you that yeah. you're fine. Yeah. yeah oh, okay, okay. Great. Well, here's a hot breakfast. It's a hot breakfast, and I, you know. <laughs> and, and a few minutes alone with the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go next? 
And a condo. They love condos they over love there. Love condos. Mm. <laughs> do they? That's, I don't even fully know what it is. A is it a condominium? Yeah. I do know what it is. Although I don't know what that means. Yeah, I think it's like an apartment. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It sounds better though. What's a condo? I think it's an apartment. The one is, but then they have apartments. Mm. All right. I'll, I'll look it up for you. What is a condo? Condo. Thank you. Realestate.com.au has an article, Condos versus Apartment. What's the difference? In condos, you have a body corporate, which is made up of owners. That's the same in an apartment. Wait, that means we have condos here? Condo. Tell me condo, condo, condo. Condominium is the North American term for the form of property ownership known as strata title in Australia. That mean anything to anybody? No. <laughs> yeah, if you have a strata title, that means there's a body corporate, doesn't it? I don't own property. I don't know. But you do live in a condo, so maybe you could explain. What is what's your place? Mine's an apartment. Okay. So, a condo's an apartment. Don't worry about it. They love condos. I regret bringing it up. Me too. I'll say that much. Doesn't yeah, condo but- sound like an Australian- Like, if we had condominiums, we'd call them condos. Yeah. So it's another just another thing we think is. I a thought thing you were going to do. say, doesn't it sound like uh, like what Australians would call condoms? Oh, condos! Chuck us a condo. Chuck us a, I'm going to go dingers, visit some, the moon. Why are they dingers? <laughs> I don't know. No, we've derailed. Dave, please do go on. Hmm. Condo. Please condo on. Condon. Now we've lost put him. A condom he's, looking on. At, he's looking at what condos are. Let me tell you a bit more about these uh, these Nazis. Uh, yes, please. So, Kurt Debus, he, they, he, he sounds like he was a Nazi Nazi. Sounds bad. What about Eberhard Rees, who became director of NASA's Marshall Space Flight Center and directed the Lunar Roving Vehicle Program? Rees was in the first group of Operation Paperclip rocket scientists brought to the United States. He served as Werner von Braun's assistant, but was not a member of the Nazi party. So, I think okay. technically he qualifies. He's probably okay. Yeah. He never even signed up. Never signed up. Didn't pay the admin fee. Yeah. Get a little badge. Get his we, membership card. I, have, I mean, I don't understand it, it at all. What? How many? How many? So you had to sign up to be a Nazi, or to be part of the party? Be a, yeah, because it's a political party. Yes, yeah, but, to join but the, the party. only political party at the time. Right. Uh, then there's Arthur Rudolph, the project director of the Saturn V rocket program. According to the BBC, during the war, he was chief operations director at Nordhausen, where twenty thousand slave labourers died producing V two missiles. Twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. What? Producing them. And he was described in his report as, quote, 100% Nazi, dangerous type. And we, yeah, t- took take him, him in. We'll take yep, him, take, take him. him. Well, he, yeah. pa- he passed the, the sums, though, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> passed the calculations. He, he sounds like a Nazi Nazi. Twi- can you say that again? 20,000 people died. Yeah. Making the V2 missiles, that Wunderwaffe, that big rocket that they were making. 20,000 people died. And how many people died getting blown up by them? Yes, that's actually a, a terrifying fact. Well, a I guess it's tragic no matter where you look at it, but that's a fact about V2 missiles. More people died making them than they ever took yeah, out in, wow. in military operations. I wonder how they died. How do you lose 20,000 people? I think that like you- Fumes? There's, I think there were slave uh, labourers and there were like oh. people from concentration camps and stuff like yes. that who worked to death. Oh, my wow. God. Wow. Yeah. That's horrendous. Horrendous. So, not a great guy. In 1984- But he, he America said- Come on Come in. On Come in. on in. Grab a hot breakfast. Yeah. And he's one of the more controversial ones because in 1984, the US government investigated Rudolph for war crimes and he agreed to renounce his United States citizenship and leave the US in return for not being prosecuted. So they basically said, if you leave, this, Wait, this will go away. So he was able to live and work there for decades. For decades. 
And then eventually when he was no longer useful to them, they went, hang on a second, I reckon you're probably pretty bad. And he I went, think, I'll go. I think people probably started investigating him and it came out and they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, he doesn't work for us anymore. And they just sort of kicked him yeah. out. Very dodgy stuff. He died in Germany Jesus. in 1996 at the age of 89, having never been charged or properly investigated. <sighs> His whole Nazi past had been swept under the rug. So, And he, he'd already won th- this NASA Distinguished Service Medal. And, of course, the fourth winner, an absolute hero of the Apollo Space Program, was the familiar Werner von Braun VVB. He died of cancer at age 65 in 1977, seven years before this question came to the forefront when Arthur Rudolph was disgraced and returned to Germany. So he died before that. Mm-hmm. So von Braun wasn't around to answer questions or defend himself. But in the 80s and 90s, journalists and scholars uncovered more about him and his associates' Nazi records. And it is not good stuff. <sighs> According to PBS, he and his employer from 1945 to 1960, the US Army had effectively neutralised most of the uncomfortable questions surrounding his former service to Adolf Hitler. In autobiographical articles and press interviews, he stuck to the line that he was an apolitical scientist who only wanted to go to space. That's all he cared about. He built missiles used against Allied cities because it was his national duty in wartime. He admitted that he had been a member of the National Socialist Party, the Nazis, but labelled it nominal and necessary to protect his career in a totalitarian society. He always contended... Refusal to join the party would have meant that I would have to abandon the work of my life. Okay, you can understand some of that. But the sad truth is that in developing the work of his life, the rockets, slave labour was used, as I said, with many of these quote-unquote workers sourced from concentration camps, and the conditions for these enslaved workers were awful. And like I said, more people died building the rockets than were killed by it as a weapon. Von Braun admitted visiting the work plant at Mittelwerk on many occasions and called the conditions at the plant repulsive, but claimed never to have personally witnessed any deaths or beatings, although it had become clear to him by 1944 that deaths had occurred. He denied ever having visited the Mittelbaldora concentration camp where 20,000 people died from illness, beatings, hangings, and other intolerable work conditions. Horrible place. Horrible place. But for a long time, details of concentration camp slave labor was not widely available because the US Army had classified a lot of the details because it would look really bad that their number one NASA guy was involved with this stuff. The military did the same with von Braun's SS officer rank and the Nazi records of the more than 100 associates who had come to the US with him, deliberately sweeping that information under the rug. Technically, if following President Truman's strict orders that members of the Nazi party and more than nominal participants in its activities should be excluded, that would have meant von Braun would have been ineligible to serve the US. A member of numerous Nazi organizations, he also held the rank of SS, and his initial intelligence file actually described him as a security risk. So Jesus. He's got, like, you know, red flags all over the place, but they're ignoring them all because he's the smartest he's the guy. the man. Yeah. Wow. That's fucked. It's fucked up. And over the years, more information has come to light about what Von Braun knew and what he did. According to Annie Jacobson, who wrote a 2014 book called Operation Paperclip, the secret intelligence program that brought Nazi scientists to America, she said Von Braun himself handpicked people from horrific places, including Buchenwald concentration camp, to work to the bone building his rockets. She also contends, when you see the kind of activity during the war, you have to imagine what he saw and what he knew. It's impossible to excuse him from his Nazi past. 
But despite all this, Von Braun was allowed into the USA and his influence on the Apollo space program, rocketry and space exploration is undeniable. He has been described as the father of space travel, the father of rocket science, or the father of the American lunar program. A lot of kids, this guy. Yeah. yeah. Mother of them all, the moon. Wow. He received many awards, including President Gerald Ford awarded him the country's highest space honor, the National Medal of Science and Engineering. He is in the National Aviation Hall of Fame, as well as the International Space Hall of Fame. And the National Space Society still awards the Werner von Braun Memorial Award to recognize excellence in management of and leadership for space-related projects. So despite this recognition, von Braun is still a highly controversial figure, widely seen as escaping justice for his Nazi war crimes due to the Americans' desire to beat the Soviets in the Cold War and get to the moon first. And he got them there. But at what cost? Well, a lot of lives. A lot of lives. A lot of lives. Dodgy stuff. America's soul. Yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. That's good stuff. That's good. Put that that's on. a question mark. America's soul? America's soul? That's, put that on a t-shirt. No, I liked it when you, like, yeah. But no, I don't. You said it more dramatically. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, you never do. Yeah. But it sounded good. Okay. If I do, I just like Americans listening to this going- Fuck is this guy talking about? This guy doesn't even know what a condo is. He doesn't know what a condo is. He yeah. thinks he can talk about our soul, I don't our know, collective I don't know. soul. Yeah, nothing about America's soul. I know about America's movie Soul, the Pixar film. Fell asleep during it. But apparently, very good. <laughs> Lovely sleep. Yeah, it was a great nap. I've got to say, the names I've said so far are just a few of the more than 1,600 German scientists, engineers, and technicians who were taken from Germany to the USA. Roughly half of the early paperclip specialists had been members of the Nazi party. And of course, there is an incredible spectrum there of hardcore Nazis who did horrific things to others who themselves felt oppressed by the regime and were very happy to get out. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, the way you were just then, it was like hardcore Nazis, I think- just because, just to keep it on theme for the rest of this report, they're Nazi Nazis. Mm. Nazi Nazis. Thank you. Yes. and some, But some of the people were totally indifferent to everything. Take, for example, Herbert A. Wagner, Austrian scientist who was the first of many Germans brought to America as part of Paperclip. Wagner developed numerous innovations in the fields of aerodynamics, aircraft structure, and guided weapons. He is most famous for developing the Henschel HS-293 radio-guided glide bomb. Sounds amazing. Sounds like wow. it's, it's going to be full of glitter or something. Yeah. But I think it's nastier than that. It's funny to th- just thinking about like these brilliant minds in a different time, they would have invented things that would have helped, you know? <laughs> yeah. But they just, they were at the peak of their science during these wars. Mm. So they're making things to kill. Yeah. The, the people, the, they come up with these ideas and the, the army's like, great. How do we blow it up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Robot, oh, I've cured a bunch of diseases. Right. Uh-huh. How do we blow it up? How do we reverse that and give the disease yeah. to our enemies? <laughs> How do we infect people with it? <laughs> Can then we-, we have the antidote. <laughs> Can we explode cancer? <laughs> so, this guy had arrived at Frederick, Maryland in 1945 with seven large cases of blueprints and other technical data and a pocket full of dreams. <laughs> he supported US efforts to deploy glide bombs against Japan because they were still- uh, fighting against Japan at the time. And a formally classified FBI counterintelligence report describes his approach to his work. I like this. this is, it says, An excellent German scientist of good character who is not interested in politics. He has given no evidence of being either pro-Nazi or pro-communist and is dis- disinterested politically. 
once belonged to the German SS for a four-week instruction course, but dropped out of the same on his own violation, is an opportunist who is interested only in science and does not subscribe to any political ideology. Since the death of his wife, Wagner has been drinking considerably, but is not a drunkard. Okay. So, that's another one of the people that are like, they got nothing really, no yeah. skin in the game with the Nazis or done anything messed up. He just wants to make his science and yep. have a few drinks. <laughs> I just want to make my science. I just want to make my science. <laughs> he's had a few drinks when he's talking like that. I'm I just, just want to make, make my, my science. science. I don't care about, like, the, I think the Nazis are good. I just oh, want well. to make my science. So they weren't all dodgy, but Annie Jacobson, who wrote that book, summed up her opinions in an interview with NPR in 2014. She says, you have to be a Nazi ideologue to move up that chain of command so high. It's almost like someone who is a hedge fund manager in the United States trying to take the line that they don't believe in capitalism, you know? That they're just trying to earn a living for the family. I mean, if you're going to rise to the top of your field, you maintain the party line, and that is what I found was the case with Paperclip. Mm. Especially a lot of these senior guys. Yeah. Jeez, it makes it, yeah, pretty uncomfortable, a lot of the things that have been achieved. Through that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm going to go through some of them now. Morally very questionable, but how successful was it as a program? Well, most paperclip scientists and specialists were dispersed as individuals or small groups to military laboratories, universities, and private companies, so they went far and wide. Mm. Of course, we've already covered the important and extremely successful and famous Apollo program that was masterminded by scientists from Paperclip and has really become the most famous thing associated with it. Now people think Paperclip, they usually think Werner von Braun and Apollo, but and that's kind of the, the default in most people's minds if they know about it. But they did a lot of other stuff as well. Not the only advancement in technology to come out of members of the program. Notable areas of focus were guided missiles, supersonic aerodynamics, guidance and control, rocket and jet engines, and aerospace medicine. Hans von Ohan was a German scientist, engineer, and the designer of the first turbojet engine to power an aircraft, and he was part of Paperclip. Adolf Busemann was responsible for the swept wing, which improved aircraft performance at high speeds. A swept wing is a wing that angles either backward or occasionally forward from its route rather than in a straight sideways direction. Did that help uh, eventually get to the droop snoot? Yes, the droop snoot. And then, of course... The winged keel. Oh yeah, for the for the America's Cup, nineteen eighty three, Australian Australia two, <laughs> the winner of the America's Cup, and the droop snoot. What was that plane? It was the from? Concorde. The Concorde, <laughs> which we sat on. We've been in a Concorde and watched the video with Queen <laughs> pumping loudly. <laughs> what a moment that what was! A so fun. Love a Concorde. So, a swept wing apparently has been very influential. It has the effect of delaying the shock waves and accompanying aerodynamic drag rise caused by fluid compressibility near the speed of sound, improving performance. Obviously, obviously, yep. Mm -hmm. Swept wings are therefore most always used on jet aircraft designed to fly at these speeds. So, if you look at a plane now, I think a lot of the the bigger ones, the jets, they've got swept wings because of this guy. And he was there because of paperclip. Also, the famous B-2 stealth bomber was based on a 1944 German design, the Horton HO-229, which was arguably the first stealth aircraft. I was really thinking you were going to start talking about some things that were just better for society in general, but it is, <laughs> it's just a lot of killing machines oh, yeah, or things like- that make planes go quicker to yeah. kill. The Breville Blender. <laughs> the popcorn machine. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, they basically took that design from the Germans and Developed it further now. The famous stealth bomber is based on that. Also, how about this one? Cruise missiles are still based on the design of the V-1 missile. So, 
So yeah, the one, a lot the of ones mil- that blow up cruise ships. A lot of military stuff. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know they got that specific. <laughs> yeah. But is it a cruise ship? No. Well, don't use that one. <laughs> so on a technical level, Operation Paperclip was extremely successful, especially with military war, that kind of stuff. Go, get into space, I suppose that's- Pretty big. Very big deal. But was the program justified? Only one paperclip scientist, George Rickey, was formally tried for any crime and no paperclip scientist was found guilty of any crime in the United States or in Germany. Rickey was returned to Germany in forty-seven to stand at the Dora trial where he was acquitted. But we know that at least some of the men involved in Operation Paperclip were involved in war crimes who, according to the BBC, had their alleged crimes covered up and their backgrounds bleached by a military which saw winning the Cold War and not upholding justice as its first priority. And in many cases, these men were celebrated for their work from their, for their new lives. One is Hubertus Strughold, who for 50 years, from 1963 to 2013, had the Strughold Award named after him. Now, Hubertus Strughold, which is a great name, he's often referred to as the father of space medicine for his central role in developing innovations like the space suit and space life support systems. The Strughold Award was the most prestigious award from the Space Medicine Association, a member organization of the Aerospace Medical Association. So they gave out this award for 50 years. But during his work on behalf of the U.S. Air Force and NASA, Strughold was the subject of three separate U.S. government investigations into his suspected involvement in war crimes committed under the Nazis. He was under suspicion of being involved with human experiments at the Dachau concentration camp. A 1958 investigation by the Justice Department fully exonerated him, while a second inquiry launched by the Immigration and Neutralization Service in 1974 was later abandoned due to lack of evidence, and in 1983, the Office of Special Investigations reopened his case but withdrew the effort when he died in 1986. So they never fully got to the bottom of what he was up to. But in the years since his death, it's become hard to deny his involvement, and on October 1st, 2013, in the aftermath of a Wall Street Journal article published in December 2012, which highlighted his connection to human experiments during World War II, the Space Medicine Association's executive committee announced that the Space Medicine Association would be retiring the Strughold Award. So this guy had done horrific shit to people against their will. These are mm. not volunteers, mm. not to say that he's experimenting on. Horrible, horrible crimes. And then, uh, you know, he lived this new life in America and then people were like, wow. What a guy. Here's this, what a guy. Here's this award. But then- they were suspicious of him from 1958 onward, at least. Mm. And it took till 2013 that they stopped naming the award after him. Another guy that's been written about by NPR was Dr. Theodore Benzinger, who was one of the Nazi doctors. <laughs> Benzinger? What, Jess? You like that one? <laughs> Tell the class what's, what's so funny here. Well, I just made, just made me think of Buzzinger. That was funny. <laughs> Buzzinger. Benzinger, he was one of the Nazi doctors who came to America and when he died at the age of 90-something, had a wonderful obituary in the New York Times lauding him for inventing the ear thermometer. So there you go, he invented something, the ear thermometer. But NPR writes- He took a thermometer out and what he did- <laughs> Instead of sticking it in your ass. He shoved it in someone's ear. <laughs> yeah. He so, said, that's a new one. That's a new thing. <laughs> I did I that. I come up with that. Everyone's like, did you wash it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. But NPR writes- so he had this New York Times this obituary saying he's the inventor of the ear thermometer, he's uh, you know incredible for science, but they entirely left out the story of the, his work 
that he'd performed on concentration camp prisoners. So again, did her, her horrible Nazi stuff. The last known original member of Operation Paperclip, George von Tissenhausen, passed in 2018 at the age of 104. I gotta tell you, it sounds like being a Nazi is great for longevity. A lot of, honestly, a lot of these people, apart from Von Braun, who died in his 60s of cancer, all these other people lived to their 90s, late 80s, 90s. This guy, 104. Yeah. I don't know what, probably a coincidence, but I don't know. Yeah. Did they have a secret? Well, these guys were. Didn't they, they, in in the Indiana Jones movies, weren't the Nazis after like Eternal Life or something? Mm. I haven't seen them. Yeah. The Holy Grail. Holy Grail. Yeah, the Ark, made, of the Ark of the Covenant. Do you yep. think they found one of these? They must have. Yeah. And that's how they lived to 90 plus. But they didn't live forever. Well, as far as we know. Whoa. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> they, their fake ages are that old. Imagine what their real ages are. <laughs> so, yeah, the last guy died at 104. He's credited with the first complete design of the lunar roving vehicle. So there you go. But Paperclip wasn't the only program of its type. Obviously, I already mentioned the Soviets had a similar program. Operation Surgeon was a British post-Second World War program to exploit German aeronautics and deny German technical skills to the Soviets. A list of 1,500 German scientists and technicians were created with the goal of forcibly removing them from Germany, quote, whether they like it or not. Whoa. That's nice. Isn't it? It's interesting as well because all these countries have taken the greatest minds of Germany. That's why Germany is famously very bad at engineering and they haven't really done- Have they done anything sort of of note since? Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, real brain drain. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're just kind of just wandering around aimlessly. Yeah. Walking as a that, nation. Walking into walls like- Yeah. Doink. Oh. Like doink. Sims characters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not doink, though. What's the German word for doink? <laughs> voink. Oh, voink. <laughs> Nein. Achtung. They say something like that. Voink. Something like that. Yeah. Very two-dimensional characters. Very two-dimensional. That's all that's left. The Germans. They took them all. They took everyone else yeah, out. Yeah, they, mm. took, they took the brains out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, if you're still there, you know one of the brains. <laughs> the brains is... That remain. They're all hot. Oh, yeah. They're all... Hot and strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The beauty and the brawns left. Oh, yeah. But the brains. The brains. brains. Those ugly brains. (laughs) The ugly brain drain. And just to wrap it up, the Germans weren't the only ones who were poached. Many Japanese perpetrators of horrific- I still am scrubbing some of the stuff I read from my brain- who had uh, experimented on human subjects were also given immunity in exchange for the results of their experiments. So, they never went punished because they were like, we've- Tested these diseases on these unwilling participants. Deal with the devil. Yeah, here's America the- has lost its soul. <laughs> Terrifying stuff. Is Aw- this with awful. America or is this with other countries? Oh, uh, both. Both countries. <laughs> no, America, America and America. other. Yeah. <laughs> and There's the two rest. types of people in this world. <laughs> Americans and everyone else. <laughs> but again, since Japan's brain drained back then, they haven't. And what do they do? What have they done? They haven't created any technology. Oh, my, certainly- oh my God. One of the most backwards countries ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going to Japan is like going back in time. Mm. You know, you're like, what is all this? Wow. It's, it's, it's Asia's sovereign valley. Mm-hmm. Sovereign <laughs> hill. Sovereign hill. <laughs> <laughs> 
that because if I there would have been you know the majority of listeners out there going Sovereign Valley, what does that mean? It sounds beautiful. Oh, Sovereign Hill. Sovereign Hill. Now, now I understand. We all get right. we all understand. that Gold Rush uh, theme, theme park. park outside of Melbourne. From Ballarat. Perfect. Ah, uh, but that's my report on Operation Paperclip. It's left a very questionable legacy as over the decades more and more uh, of the truth has come out about some of these guys' backgrounds, and uh, people are still scratching their heads, going. Did we do the right thing here? Did oh, they do, did I'm going to go out on a limb and say no. Mm. But, Jess, then think of all the bombs we wouldn't have, these high-tech bombs yeah. that can kill more people easier. That's true. Yeah. It's not even one of the, It's not like, what, you know, one of those, what do you call them, philosophical yeah. things, the tram the question trolley and question, stuff. Yep. Trolley question. And then because it's like one way these people get punished for their crimes but if that happens, then all these great bombs are made <laughs> and more people don't die. Yeah. So, it's pretty tricky. It is a tough and one. And you go the other way, they do get punished, but then we don't have the bombs. Yeah. So, it's kind of like a, you, do you want the lose-lose or the win-win? It's a yeah. tricky one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like you were saying at the start, Matt, they're like, they're worried about the, the enemies getting yes. the technology and yep. then, you, and well, they'll develop the bombs anyway and then use them on us. So very, they were, very tricky. And they were paranoid. Mm. They had this real fear of, oh, my God. We're going to go to another world war. We need to get in front no matter what. Mm. Sweep this under the rug. But then over the years, you look back and go, well, that's really morally questionable. Yeah. I, I just think this is a, a – it just feels like a romantic comedy situation. <laughs> USSR, USA just had to have a conversation. Yeah. Pick up the phone. The Cold yeah. War was that third act part where they – or maybe second act. I don't understand movies. But um, it's the bit where they're like, I hate you. The I, hate, I can't believe. Yeah. I can't believe I ever even trusted you. Yeah. That's that's where- And then we see a montage of the miserable without each yeah. other. But they just had to say, oh, yeah. no, that that's that email wasn't- That was an old email that you read or yeah. something. Yeah, it was a misunderstanding. Yeah. yeah. But I've worry, changed. It all works out in the end, as we see with current US-Russian relations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're kissing. They're smooching at a sunset. <laughs> yeah. And you go, oh. And I think we're almost up to the bloopers. <laughs> I love bloopers. <laughs> you love the bloopers. If I see a blooper, I think of Jess Perkins. Yeah, yeah. I do <laughs> Good. too. Every time. I love you, bloopers. You kind of you inspired the end of Who Knew with Matt Stewart a bit. I do. Thank you. Some bloopers in the post credits there. I am an inspiration, is what I'm hearing. But ethically, is that a good decision? <laughs> ethically, very dubious. <laughs> dubious Perkins, some people call you. They do. Well, Dave, what a fantastic report. How grim was that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what the Patriot. Well, not it's what everyone wanted. Yeah. yeah. It's the ninth most voted for topic of Blockbuster Toba 2023. They love Grim. They, they love, love Grimm, Grimm and we love to know that so many um, technological and scientific advances have come uh, because of Nazis. Yes, and people being murdered. Nazis that w that have faced zero consequences for being Nazis. Hey, they got medals. That's true. They did get medals and a new life in America. <laughs> Just to give everyone an idea of how popular that topic was to get in a ninth position, it got 26.6% of the vote. Whoa! And now mathematicians are going to be going. How, how can there be room for eight more topics? But everyone, you were allowed to vote for as many as you wanted to. So more than one in four people who voted said, "Tell oh, me about them Nazis. I want to hear about that." So there it is. Yeah, amazing stuff. Um, but moving on to a much more joyful topic, and this is thanking some of our most and best mm -hmm. and. 
Sexiest. Sexiest um, friends. Yes. Which we like to call our Patreon supporters. Uh, not their value, but- no, But they, they are, are all hot. They are all, are all, to a person, hot. To a person. To a person. Two per person? No. To a person? Well, you know the phrase, to a man. But oh. I Because some of our Patreons I've aren't men. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. You haven't heard the phrase, to a man? No. Have I made it up? <laughs> So, in what context would you use it? To a man, well, she's hot. As, as in ev- every single one of them to an individual, down to the last. Every single one oh. is hot to a person, to a man. Oh, no, nah, I've never heard that. Well, I think you've made that up. It could have been made up. It could be just another one of uh, my, what was that? Matterisms. Like? Matterisms, yeah. That's pretty good. Good. Although, remember when you thought that um, sold a pup wasn't real and that turned out to be real? I don't recall ever <laughs> being wrong. <laughs> I do not recall. Oh, that is... You don't want to be answering stuff like that uh, in this episode because that does make you sound like you're a Nazi. <laughs> hey, I have not been sold a pup. Um <laughs> Anyway, so in this section, people who have signed up at patreon.com slash pod, our great supporters there uh, on multiple levels. There's all sorts of uh, ways you can get involved. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the one way, but there's different things you can get depending on your level, things like Jess. You can vote on topics, as we've just discussed. You can um, get early access to tickets to live shows. You can join the Facebook group, the friendliest corner of the internet, and bonus episodes as well. Heaps of them. Heaps yeah. of them. Heaps. 190. Heaps. I've done so many. I've lost my voice. <laughs> They're on the floor. They're out the door. <laughs> Please. I we got this. bonus episodes coming out the ass. We're <laughs> ass men here. And women. And. I'm an ass man. <laughs> to an ass man. Every one of them <laughs> is hot. <laughs> um, so, yeah. There's, uh, and we're, we're getting so close to doing a fourth monthly bonus mm. episode. For people on the uh, bonus episode level or above, which is, I believe, the Dreamboat Cooper level. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the first thing we like to do uh, to thank some of these great supporters each week is uh, the Fact, Quote, or Question section, which I actually think has a jingle. Fact, Quote, or Question. Ding! Huh. She always remembers the jing. He always remembers the ding. Mm-hmm. Jing, bing, jingle. Yep. Forgot to say sing. And- <laughs> It's been a while. The way, yeah, because Dave and I have been doing the last few solo, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, I've been pushing my voice really hard. Yeah. He's been singing and dinging. I'm not cut out for a sing and a ding. You're not a trained singer like me. I'm not. I'm a trained dinger, though. You are. Thank you. You are the best dinger in the biz. <laughs> uh, Safety first. So, people <laughs> who are on the Sydney Scheinberg level or above get to give us a fact quote or a question or a brag or a suggestion or really whatever they like. Mm-hmm. Recipes. And I read them out for the first time on the show. And that's really just to forgive me for saying anything that is maybe a bit that, off colour. That is maybe. <laughs> maybe a little off colour. Maybe I mispronounced something. I yep. haven't read it out yep. before, okay? Uh, the first one comes from, and I'm not being defensive. I'm just trying to be honest. I'm being a little defensive. I'm opening a dialogue uh-huh. with the listeners. Yeah, God, he's so defensive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first one this week comes from. What episode is this, Dave? 
415. The first one this week comes from Henry T. Wilhoyt. I also knew what episode number it was, just in case you wanted to throw what, it out a bit more generally. Said? I would have said 415, but the question was only addressed to the man in the room. <laughs> to a man. It was addressed <laughs> to a man. <laughs> My cat doesn't make sense in that context. Uh, yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> Henry T. Wilhoyt. A.K.A. Incredible. An official hazelnut farmer. That's the title oh, Henry's given yes. himself. yes. And Henry is offering us a fact this week, huh? relatively relevant, because it's Stalin-related by the looks. Okay. He was mentioned. When wow. Joseph Stalin died in 1953, the Soviet government tried to keep his death a secret. The only reason the US found about his demise was by translating a coded radio message sent by the Kremlin to their allies worldwide. The young army or radio operator who first dis- decoded the message was none other than country music star Johnny Cash. What? 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 I'm going to need that again. <laughs> Johnny so, Cash decoded the- Encrypted message that it announced Stalin was dead. What? That's amazing. I think that might be the best fact I've ever heard. That We've done an episode on Johnny Cash and I don't believe I brought that up because no. I don't- think I knew that. No. That is wild. That's amazing. Oh, I should say I don't fact check either. I'm reading these out for the first time. So, people are going, you just got sold a pup, mate. Yeah. Which is a thing. <laughs> Definitely a thing. That's a wild fact. Thank you so much, Whoa. Henry T. Wilhoyt, for sending in. The next one comes from Tim Wright, aka Unpaid Intern of Self-Guilt. <laughs> and Tim is asking a question here. Which goes up something like this. Ever since supporting on this website, ever ever since supporting on the website was shut down, I've been too lazy or forgetful to sign up on the Patreon itself. That's right. For a little uh, while, yep. we had our own uh, website. It was kind of like a our own- um, Our own sort of support system where you could pledge. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do go on it was like an LD Patreon. But then we ended up having- It was too much going on at once. Yes. It got it got on top of us. Uh, but anyway, so Tim continues. The guilt of squatting in the nicest corner of the internet without supporting the podcast has become too much to bear. So here I am. Tim, you legend. Mm, guilt. <laughs> Works every time. You don't have to feel guilty, Tim. Nah, feel it. Uh, Tim goes on to say, you guys have been podcasting for nearly eight years at this point, And a lot has changed in your lives over that time. Given this, I pose to you the question from an early episode. To see if your opinions have been altered. So, cremation, burial, or other. (laughs) Tim says, as per the usual request, my answer is probably cremation. It'd feel uncomfortable to me that someday in the far future, my grave may be dug up or moved for want of space. At least with cremation, I wouldn't be constrained to one point. Cheers, guys. I can't remember what I said at the time, but I think think I'm I'm a cremation guy. Yeah, I mean, unless, like, yeah, shoot me into space. No, I don't want to go to space. Yeah, cremation. Because <laughs> then you're associated with Nazis. Exactly, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I guess cremate me, but then, like, use my ashes to make a diamond or something. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah, and shoot into space. And then shoot <laughs> that into space. Hell yeah. I mean, I think I was uh, back on team cremation until I recently did that episode. About- yeah. Yeah, how cremation can go wrong. Yes. Or just not be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I want my loved ones to stand there and watch me burn. (laughs) (laughs) 
It'll be written into the will. <laughs> Watch it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go, I don't like the idea of, I still have, I think I probably talked about this at the time, the idea of accidentally having a bit of someone else mixed in with me. Yeah. I want it to be completely cleaned out before I go in there. Okay. Why? You're dead. I know, but there's something weird about it. It's something weird about being turned into dust too. Oh, what? <laughs> dust? It's all really fucking strange. Scrap it. <laughs> I'm off it. I'm not going to die. Okay. Ah. I choose not to die. <laughs> you know who else didn't die? <laughs> um, next one comes from Ben Johnson. Jesus? Was it going to be Jesus? Is that what you're talking gonna about? It was going to be Jesus. Okay, I had yeah. a friend who once upon a time didn't die. <laughs> but he, I think he technically he did die. He, he just came back again. Anyway, Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, <laughs> okay, basic bitch, boring name. Wow, Ben, wow. But, Ben, we know you and we know your-, your, you, na- your you name. Are- you and your name are simpatico. <laughs> <laughs> so, where are you going? No, I was gonna. I was trying to figure out how, but my brain isn't working. I was going to say you're, you're not that. Oh, the curtains don't match the drapes. <laughs> yeah. Carpet yeah. doesn't match the drapes. <laughs> you, why have you got curtains and drapes? <laughs> wow, you really like privacy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben Johnson Oh, is offering us a joke I don't think we get many Ooh, of these and Brave I don't, I don't think we've had a huge hit Let's rate, see, but let's let's see. Oh, yeah, it's, it's About I've, time this podcast finally had a joke I bet it'll be good Here's <laughs> the joke I bought a dictionary off Amazon the other day when it, <laughs> That was great You, yeah, you, got the you had a bit of a hand movement okay. going too just imagine Max yeah. going- I, I bought a I bought a dictionary of Amazon the other yeah, day, like yeah, that. Like yeah. that. Keep that going. Okay, yeah, hey, okay. Yeah, so yeah. what uh, about this, seen this? Heard about this, uh, seen this? This thing on? <laughs> so I bought a dictionary off Amazon the other day. Uh-huh. <laughs> when it arrived, all the pages were blank. There were no words to describe my anger. <laughs> I got the rhythm yeah. was off on that, the yeah, punchline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I was still in setup because there was a thing below, which I thought was a punchline, but it was P.S. Happy Block. Right, okay. Uh, I'm well, let me try one more time. Try I do not get it. I bought a dictionary. Okay, so, hey. hey okay, you- now you're going too far, actually. Okay. I need you to pair it back Were you a little bit. you about to do a crowd work? Yeah. yeah. No, no crowd work. Okay. That's not written in there. <laughs> I'm from Chicago. Okay. Oh, the Windy City. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought you did a fart. <laughs> Got him. Um, <laughs> that's good stuff. Fuck I yeah. killed. Got to try stand-up. Um <laughs> I'm, I'm heckling. Take it back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bought a dictionary off Amazon the other day. Mm-hmm. When it arrived, all the pages were blank. There were no words to describe my anger. Yeah. There were no words to describe <laughs> my anger. Let me tell you, there are no words to describe my anger. Are, are you oh, yeah, angry yeah. that the dictionary is blank? Yes, and there's no words. Dave, do you genuinely describe- not get it? fucking good stuff. <laughs> okay, he gets it. He gets it. I get it now. Only after the second time. Not enough to laugh. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Can we edit that? We'll just cut that, that together. So that was like that was. I believe that. That was scary. Oh I know. Yeah. Yeah. You're realizing what, what I just realized. Yeah. He faked his orgasm <laughs> every time. You're I have faking never it every pleasure. time. Are you always faking when you laugh? Yes. There's even, but there's one laugh that you do where I, I think it's genuine though, because you don't do it as often, and it's really cute. Yeah, no, I think it's like that should be the most fakeable one of them all. <laughs> I, think I'm trying to, I am stifling it a bit. Like, all right, here we go. Ah, uh, thanks so much, Ben Johnson, for that joke. Uh, finally, this week, <laughs> it's Roy Phillips, aka Man in a Shoe Shine Shop. 
who saw Susie shopping and sitting in the shoeshine shop. Well done. You did quite well there. I think Another he- Johnny Cash later, didn't he have a song about a shoeshine boy? Maybe. Wow. Probably. It what feels are- like something Johnny Cash would have. Yeah. Get rhythm, I believe. Uh, so, Roy is offering us a quote. <laughs> uh, and I love this quote. Okay. Hans, booby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your white knight. Yeah, and that was Harris, Harry Ellis from Die Hard 1989. <laughs> Hans, booby. <Bobby>. Hans, booby. <laughs> and I like because it's a spelling booby is something that has confounded me for years. Because it, it's so close to booby. So Roy spelt it and this B-U-B-B-Y, which I think I Bubby. would say bubby. That's bubby. So I think I... I uh, maybe spell it B U B I. I agree, but it's a it's a ha- tricky and one. And how's he going with it? B U double B Y. But I knew what he, I mean. Yeah. I knew what he meant. That's Bubby. But Bye. maybe that's how. Like maybe it's just Australian accent. We'd say Bubby. But yeah, but that I, would be Bubby. I realized I didn't know the name of the actor that played Alice on Die Hard. And this name doesn't ring a bell, but I love it. That actor's name is Hart Bochner. That's so good. <laughs> Canadian actor, film director, screenwriter, and producer. Hart, Hart Bochner. Hart Bochner. <laughs> you don't want him. <laughs> you like, never it's the opposite of normative determinism that he was never going to be an open heart surgeon. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't. Yeah. Oh, Dr. Bochner. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Hart Bochner. <laughs> uh, thank you so much to Henry, Tim, Ben, and Roy. Uh, the other thing, or one of the other things we like to do is shout out to a few of our other great supporters. And Bob normally comes up with a bit of a, a game based on the <laughs> topic at hand. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of like something they invented. Maybe a weapon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. A yeah, weapon yeah, yeah. they invented. <laughs> but under like Operation. nice circumstance. And, yeah, and the name could be a lot nicer as well. You, yeah. know? you cover up, it's like, oh, this is a ray that killed turtles. <laughs> but it was called Operation... Cuddles. Cuddles. <laughs> <laughs> it will not get better than that. <laughs> um, if I can kick us off, I'd love to thank from Lawrence, Kansas in the United States. It's Morgan Potterbell. Morgan Potterbell. Should Good we Morgan just- Morgan to you. Could it just be their, um, their operation name? Could be. Yeah, okay. Rather than a weapon. Operation Bochner. <laughs> That's good. Operation Heart Bochner. Operation Heart Bochner. <laughs> and that operation was a failure. <laughs> the uh, the patient did not, ex- did not, did not exist. Did not exist by the end. <laughs> the they didn't exist. They did not exist. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, Morgan Potterbell. What a name. Morgan. I'd also, I'd also love to thank from Halifax. In Great Britain, it's Jamie. Jamie. Operation. Die Hard. (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. How does his brain work? Fantastic. (laughs) Or Operation Hard Die. (laughs) Okay, no, I think Die Hard. No, no, no. Save Hard Die for another one. We've got a few more to go. (laughs) We've got got seven to go. (laughs) Stop burning them all. Uh, And finally, for me, I'd love to thank from Mercer Island in Washington in the United States, it's Bradley Pirtle. Turtle. Operation Turtle. Oh, Operation Turtle. Bradley Pirtle, Operation Turtle. <laughs> yeah. Bradley Turtle from Operation Pirtle. Hello, no. around you idiots. <laughs> Let me go. Bradley Pirtle from Operation Turtle reporting for duty, sir. He saved it with he that saved it. incredible performance. Yeah. Sir. <laughs> sir. Reporting for duty, sir. Okay. <laughs> uh, 
bother you for a glass of water. <laughs> water. <laughs> water. Bradley Burtle from Mush <laughs> Aspiration <laughs> Turtle. Can I bother you for a glass of water, sir? <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite Pokemon is Squirtle. <laughs> Squirtle. <laughs> May I thank some people? Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. I would love to thank from Lacey in Washington. Ryan Norskog. Oh, Norskog. What about Operation Water Walk? Water Walk. Yeah. Water Walk. 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 Like Walk on Water. Walk to Walk. And your work is war? No, Matt. I can fix this. Matt's confused. Water. A water. Walk. Whoa. Are we talking about whoa? Water walk. Water walk. <laughs> you having a laugh? Operation Water Walk. <laughs> Beautiful language. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Uh, I would also love to thank from the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. Ooh, beautiful. Zach Forbes. Oh, it's got to be the Blue Mountains Panther. Operation, Operation Panther. Operation Blue Mountains oh. Panther. Operation Pantera, which is Spanish for panther, maybe. That's sick. Operation Panther. Operation Panther. That fucking rules. Yeah, that's pretty that good. Sounds that's cool. That one, that one must have been taken early. Yeah, I reckon the surely. first ever operation was probably called Panther. Yeah. It's a cooler sounding. You start a Panther and then you get- Yeah. Where, where to from there, though? Yeah, Where'd that's you go? true. Paperclip. Start at 100. Do you got a paperclip? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's working right. From Fuck, what's Panther left? to paperclip. Yeah. Oh. Close alphabetically, the but- um, and finally, for me, I'd love to thank from Address Unknown, so we can only assume deep within the fortress of the moles, Tommy DeBag. <laughs> Tommy DeBag. <laughs> Tommy DeBag. I wonder if there's any relation to Chris DeBerg. <laughs> Chris. I don't know how naming conventions work in other parts of the world, like or, the mole. Or Dimebag Daryl. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Tommy DeBag Daryl. DeBag. DeBag Daryl. Tommy DeBag. Wow. Operation. Baggy shorts. Baggy oh, shorts. Baggy trousers. <laughs> baggy trowel. Baggy trowel. <laughs> you got to drop baggy trowel. Operation Down baggy trowel. Trow. <laughs> That's lovely. On your Tommy D bag or Tommy D bag. <laughs> I would like to thank from Green Bay, Wisconsin, I believe this is. Yeah. Cheesehead country. <laughs> Go Am che- I right in saying that? Go cheeseheads. Whatever that means. I would like to thank from Green Bay, Mitch. My girlfriend's middle name is McCabe Rudolph. Wow. McCabe's a great middle name. McCabe. Yeah. McCabe. D- dare I say Operation McCabe? Oh, <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, Operation fantastic. McCabe. McCabe. That's good. Oh, McCabe, you've done it again. <laughs> you will not get that in Wisconsin, but uh, Mitch. I mean, I barely get it in Australia. <laughs> okay, there's an ad on TV for chips. Ah, oh, McCain, chips. you've done it again. Yeah, and the, the, the company's called McCain. It's probably an American thing anyway, to be honest, but. Ah, oh, McCabe, you've done it, a Gabe. Yeah, that w- that's how it would work. <laughs> Who's Gabe? <laughs> you've done it, a Gabe. <laughs> Operation McCabe. That's Love good. It. <clears throat> I would also like to thank from. Oh my God, I'm listening to my voice. One second. <clears throat> warming up the pipe. <laughs> Me, my <mama. laughs> I would like to thank from Hillsborough, New Jersey. It's Samantha LaRocca. LaRocca. Like rocket. LaRocca. Rocket. Operation. Rocking chair. Oh, that's good. What about Operation Rocket Chair? No. 
rocking but- chair. Don't you think that's kind of menacing? Yeah. Imagine you walk into a room yeah. and there's a rocking chair in the corner and it's slightly rocking. Yeah. That's yeah. creepy as shit. Yeah, but then if you noticed that it had rockers attached to it, I'd be okay. pretty, pretty excited. Operation and a Rocket Chair. Banjo. No, it's still called Rocking Chair. It just has rockets attached to okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I'm all right. You happy that. with that? Yep. And there's a doll on it. On There's a guy playing banjo yes. on it. And then on his lap is uh, a doll, a, a playing, doll a banjo. playing a banjo and its head spins around. Yes. <laughs> That's pretty menacing. That's spooky as shit. <laughs> <laughs> but they're beautiful banjos. Oh, lovely. What an yeah. instrument. Mm. Yeah, dueling banjos. Fantastic. Gorgeous sound. stuff. The more banjo, the better. Mm. The man, I should say, is uh, Steve Martin. Yeah. Wow. And his head turns around. No, no, that's the doll. The doll. Oh, Can you pay attention for five seconds? <laughs> Honestly, no. <laughs> we got one final name here. And finally, I would like to thank from Sutherland in New South Wales, it's Meg T. Meg oh. T. I wonder if any relation to Teabag. <laughs> D-bag? D-bag, probably not then. I wonder if any relation to the Meg. Oh. Wow. Operation Jason Statham. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so good. Operation Jason Statham. What makes you think I'd risk my life for you? What makes you think I'm a Meg? Chomp. He's a Meg. <laughs> I'll now pronounce you man and Meg. <laughs> man and knife. <laughs> so, honestly, it's so good. We are on Patreon. We have a monthly podcast called Phrasing the Bar where we have watched a, in chronological order, one Brendan Fraser film a month for nearly- th- over three years. Mm-hmm. There's only six to go. Yeah. We don't know what we're going to do after that. We've been talking about other movies. Are we going to talk about Alan Ruck? What <laughs> the Ruck? Go Ruck yourself. We love yes. the Ruck. Or Jason Statham's come up. I, we couldn't think of a good name, but I think Operation Jason Statham is an incredible name for oh, a podcast. I think Man and Knife is a great name <laughs> for a podcast. To a Man and Knife. <laughs> To really bring, yeah. make people understand what's yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, otherwise it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> to make it timeless. <laughs> or we, the other idea is we just we do a movie club where we watch good movies. No, no, let's continue to punish ourselves forever. <laughs> or or watch movies that are related to past episodes. Is there oh, been yeah. a, an Operation Paperclip movie? Because there was an Operation Mincemeat movie after yeah, we did Yeah, there the was. The I never watched that. No, I never did either, but I always thought maybe we'll watch it for, hmm. for the Patreon one day. Um, so that brings us, oh, I should just say quickly, um, thank you so much to Meg, the Meg. Maybe that's so T, Meg T might be T for the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Meg, comma, the. Yeah. Mm. Thank you, Meg, Samantha, Mitch, Tommy, Zach, Ryan, Bradley, Jamie, and Morgan. The last thing we like to do here is welcome some of our great supporters into the Patreon Triptych Club. Welcome. We know it's pronounced Triptych. <clears throat> now we do. Um, for a couple of years we didn't, but that was because Dave said it wrong on episode one. And we've gone with it since then. Absolutely. My art teacher was wrong. Anyway, welcome into the Triptych Club. This week, there's only one inductee. Jess, you're normally sitting behind the bar of this Triptych Club. Can you explain it from from your vantage point? Well, there's a few inductees. Okay, I'm thinking of a different episode. Maybe about five. But what it is, is I like to imagine that it's like an airport lounge. It's a cool, exclusive club. Uh, A gentleman's club, but not gross. To a man. Just for gentlemen. To a gentleman. Um, where no toilet. We have only a urinal. We have a band uh, that Dave books. I'm behind the bar um, this week. I've got um, explosive food for oh, you. God, thank God. I thought you were about to <laughs> confide in us about a condition you might be <laughs> suffering. 
<laughs> no, the hors d'oeuvres I have for you are exploding in flavour. Oh. Um, pesto, mostly. <laughs> I've just added a pesto to pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, and what do Nazis eat? Nachos. Okay, then I've got oh, nachos. No, that was my <laughs> fucking favourite. Oh, yeah, and so you should be happy I've got them. Thank you. I just thought of na- Nazi nachos sounded yeah. similar. Yeah. Na- yes, it was. I'm works. pretty confident that Nazis didn't eat many nachos. <laughs> I think you're okay to continue eating nachos, Dave. No. It's ruined. to me. I'm so sorry. But I have them. And they're delicious. They Thank would have you. eaten sauerkraut and stuff that you don't oh, want anyway. Oh, my other favourite. Fuck. <laughs> and bratwurst or something. Oh, oh the shit. big three. Oh, no. Nachos, sauerkraut, <laughs> bratwurst. Yeah, he loves it. Damn. Sorry, mate. Um, uh, Dave also books a band. That's right, for the after party. Yeah. Who's playing tonight, You're Dave? never going to believe it. What? I've actually booked a mini festival tonight. Really? Wow. We've got, uh, and obviously, I book a festival. You've got to book that out months, if not years, in advance sometimes. Yeah. Get, but the, uh, you're never going to believe it. It's actually called the Paperclip Festival. <gasps> and we have one, or no, we've got all of the 11 bands called Paperclip on Spotify. Whoa! We'll be appearing there's live. There's 11 tonight. bands called Paperclip. <laughs> there's Paperclips, there's Paperclip People, Paperclip Minimizer, Paper Space Clip, and then eight with the name just Paperclip One Word. Boy Shaped Paperclip. <laughs> Oh my god! There's so many pa- wow. paperclip. There's a band called Paperclip Worship. I'm the surprised by this. Paperclip Tank. Uh huh. Okay. And they're all appearing live. Oh my in the god! Tribbish Club. It's gonna be huge. That's exciting. I'm really excited. So uh, Dave's MC. He's on stage. Yeah. I'm at the door. I'm the bouncer. I'm the muscle. <laughs> and um, I've got uh, my list here. Five names on it. I've just added four to it quickly after Jess reminded me. <laughs> And I'm going to read these out. Lift up the velvet rope. If mm-hmm. you hear your name, run on in. Dave will hype you up on stage with a bit of weak wordplay. Jess will hype Dave up. The yep. crowd will go wild. Yeah. And we'll party yeah, all night Yeah, they go long. wild. So, oh, it must be because of the weak wordplay. Or maybe it's because the wordplay is amazing and you don't get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. Unlikely, but possible. All right. Uh, are we ready? I'm lifting up the rope. First we up, welcome in from Stanmore in New South Wales, Australia. It's Brendan Myhill. There's only one hill I'll die on, and that's Brendan yeah. Myhill. From Carnegie here in Melbourne, Victoria. It's Lydia. Welcome, Lydia, in Carnegie, Lydia. From Woo! Vania in Ontario, wow. Canada. It's Sam Sutherland. I've got Vania Mania <laughs> with Sam Sutherland. <laughs> From Greensboro in North Carolina. Quick fun fact, that is where uh, Thistledoo Mini Golf uh, started the mini golf craze in America. Incredible fact. Wow. It's Brandy Broyhill. Oh, there's a second hill I will die on. <laughs> <laughs> it is Brandy Broyhill. <laughs> and finally, from Broken Arrow in Oklahoma in the United States, it's Ian Newton. Well, Newton had three laws, but there's a fourth one tonight, and that is I love Ian Newton. Yeah. Welcome in and make yourselves at home. Grab yourself an exploding hors d'oeuvre. Ian, Brandy, Sam, Lydia and Brendan. That's beautiful. Um, And as we waddle off to the after party in the club. Yep. uh, Is there anything else we need to tell them before we go, Bob? That they can suggest a topic. Anybody can. You don't have to be a Patreon to suggest a topic. There's a link in the show notes. You can also go directly to our website, which is dogoonpod.com. And you can find us at dogoonpod across all social media as well. Now, Dave, boot this baby home. Hey, we'll be back next week when Blockbuster Toba returns with our eighth most voted for topic. 
How could it be bigger than this? Well, there's eight more coming. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back then. Until then, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 